Synthaholics. Welcome to Synthaholics. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. Today we've got a very special live episode. Today we've got the people that you might know from Rocky Mountain Geek Tank. Uh, We have Guy Davis, as always. And we have Troy. Who you might remember from Rogue One. Oh yeah, my God. Rogue One. It's going back. He was on a Rogue One episode. And uh, we have Chelsea. Hello, Chelsea. Hello. This is our first time uh, meeting. Yeah. And uh, you have myself, Aaron O'Brien, and David Duncan. Today we okay. are going to be talking about uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, the second episode. But uh, the conversation probably will meander if I know the, the guys and gals from Rocky Mountain Geek Tank. So, welcome, uh, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us on your show. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks for having us on your live stream. You know, just edit in. I, I feel yeah. like this is so, kind of like the uh, the chocolate and peanut butter thing. You got synthaholics in my geek tank. You, you got, got chocolate in my peanut butter. You got peanut butter in my chocolate. Yeah, guys, this is going to be a, a crazy stunning episode because we're probably not going to edit anything in this. Uh, this is a live broadcast, so anyone seeing this live... We'll interact with people, so we'll be saying random things that you may not understand. You just gotta roll with it. So it's gonna be a different episode. And, and of course, Geek Tank's gonna start rolling live here in just a second, and so there's gonna be even weirder stuff because we're gonna do our Geek Tank intro in the middle of your episode. So I apologize for that. In advance. I know, I know. You guys are gonna divorce me right now. Just, just edit it out the way we always edit everything. Yeah, we will edit oh, that's it in beautiful. Post. That's it. There you go. Yeah, Best hat. I love your hat. So yeah. Best hat I've ever seen. For those of you listening, Aaron's wearing the awesomest hat ever. <laughs> it's actually a wreath. <laughs> so it was just hanging on the hook behind me, and I was like, I got to wear that. Yeah, we're, well, gonna call, we're just going to call him Aretha for the rest of this. Aretha. <laughs> it's Aretha. very ferny. It, it burns. Think. It burns a lot. <laughs> okay now with that let's uh let's go ahead and go live with uh geek tank you guys ready We're yeah ready. just stick to the script okay guy right i'll totally skip to the, <laughs> script. Skip to the script that's exactly what i'm gonna do skip to the script okay here we go everything's going so well already we're just awesome at this point here we go Hi, I'm Guy. Hi, I'm Troy. Hi, I'm Chelsea. And this. Hi, I'm David. And, oh yeah, and then Aaron. Go ahead, uh, they're they're Aaron. already off script. And then, off script. And this is Geek Tank. <laughs> we could have like tried to make sure that that worked beforehand and just didn't. It's this right. never came up. Right. We will. We will edit it. In it post, never came up. Just like our banner says, we will totally edit this in post. We promise. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we're here when are we going to pay our editor <laughs> we're, we're, we're here with the folks from Synthaholics which is a uh, Star Trek uh, podcast it's a, it's a Star Trek AA group yep it's a Star Trek <laughs> AA group um and uh, they're they're out in New York, and so this is like the awesome show where we have like two people from New York. It's like coast to coast. It's a coast to coast, except we're not on the coast. So that's right. We didn't quite make it. We're not on the coast either. Brent is already here. Yeah. Hello, Brent. Good to see you, man. Good to have you on board. So, Hello, Brent. So yeah, we're going to talk today about lower decks. That's what we're going to do. And it's going to be a hodgepodge mesh of all of us just chatting at the same time. So, so this is about uh, Magic the Gathering decks that are like subpar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do that one, too. Lower, lower decks. Lower decks. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not as good a deck as... These are like any kind of um, black deck in my book. Actually, yeah. blue decks, I think, are the ones that I like. I was going to say blue deck, man. Blue decks are slow burn. Ooh. I'll say right. any, deck, any deck made entirely out of the set from Fallen Empires or Homelands. Oh, yeah, Thalids. Thalids. The Thalid shooter. Um, so anyway, yeah. we're, we're not going to talk about... Part. We are totally not going to talk about magic. We are not. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're talking about the GoBots. Right. All right. GoBots. <laughs> no wait, no no. This is the Disney podcast. Remember, we're talking about Mulan and. Uh, I mean, I am it. the next Disney princess. It's go. gonna happen one day. Oh, by one the way, day. the news is that Geek Tank has been purchased by Disney, and now Chelsea is the next Disney princess. <laughs> where's my check? Yeah, where's my check? And can I curse a lot oh. more than your usual Disney princess? Right. And well, if they answer, we're, we're gonna, no they, they're going to kick back a percentage of what they make off of us. <laughs> That's our check. The swear charge. So we're going to owe Disney money, is what you're saying, right? <laughs> Mouse make great. Uh, just to make Chelsea a princess, we ended up owing Disney money, and that's that's how this show went. <laughs> that's how that would go. We're all broke. Oh yeah. Okay, so let's talk about lower decks, guys. Yeah. Okay. So, guys, what is Lower Decks? So, Lower Decks is the newest uh, addition to the Star Trek universe. Um, it is produced uh, by a guy named Mike Mc, Mc, oh, Mike McMahon. McMahon, right? No, yeah, McMahon, right? McMahon. Wow. I can't say it. I've lost it. McMahon. McMahon. So, um, who actually apparently is a big Star Trek fan, and uh, that's showing up quite a bit in the show. Yeah, yeah, know. it is. There are some things in there that are there's deep cuts. There are some deep cuts. serious deep cuts. Um, mm-hmm. We've watched the first two episodes, and Brent, we don't know where you are on this, so we've promised to be spoiler free, um, just so that you don't get caught up in in spoilers on stuff in case you haven't seen today's episode, or in case you haven't seen these and anybody else who's watching, not just Brent. Um, if you guys have not seen the episode, we're going to try to stay spoiler free for our section. And then after this, Synthaholics will we'll go on to the Synthaholics side where we'll go into spoilers. So We're going to do a read-through of the script, right? We're going to yeah. totally read through the script at that point. Okay. Um, so <laughs> so uh, Lower Decks is the newest one. It, it, it centers around ensigns who are in the lower decks of the USS Cerritos, which is not to be confused with the Cheetos. Um, that's a different ship. Um, oh, the Doritos. Or the Doritos, which is a different ship as well. Um, so obviously, I think all these names are places in California. I'm noticing. Uh, yeah. Like all the shuttles are named after places in 
Yosemite. Yeah, and and the the ship is named after a place in in California as well. And I I noticed that the captain. This is not necessarily a spoiler. Is the captain has a California flag in her? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I didn't catch that at all. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. That's so, in the first episode. Yeah. There is a I lot. I did catch the Jeff Fox with the guy. Yeah, clearly the ship is a Californian ship. So there you go. They 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 just do Californian things, I guess. So they've got sunshine, I guess, in the holodeck all the time. So there you go. I don't know. She's a California girl. Yeah. Although it is funny. I don't know if I don't know if the captain's from California, but you notice that Boimler is from California. He's from Modesto. So Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right, right. So it's like there are a lot of somebody's just sitting there like walking down the streets of LA going, Where else can we add now? Well, they're all probably from LA, and so they're all just like you know, oh, like yeah. let's let's just mine my own past. Which I guess you know? it makes sense. We probably have the USS Red Rocks here as our ship, yeah. and we'd probably there you go throwing stuff all over it that nobody'd be like, what, what, what is that? USS Buena Vista. Yeah, Buena Vista, and they'd be like, they'd be always pronouncing it wrong. They'd be always pronouncing it like yep. Buena Vista. And it's supposed like, to be oh, Buena, Buena Vista, but they pronounce it Buena Vista, right. and all of us cringe. Right or the USS Arvada, which nobody ever gets right. Oh that's, man, that's one that you can instantly tell when you don't have a local. Because they're trying to use that crazy thing where you actually look at letters and spell it out the way it sounds. Right. I know that's why the English language is very, very tricky. Yes. We just cannibalize other languages for words we want when we don't have the word. Well, if you go to Boston and you go to the outside town called Peabody, they don't call it Peabody. They call it Peabody. Right. I actually didn't know that that place was called, spelled Peabody. I thought it was P-B-D. Yeah, Peabody. Like like they were calling it, like, you know, like it was uh, post-Boston District or something like that. Yeah, right, yeah. Good name. Down the street from me, we've got, uh, down the street from me, we got um, Galapagos. As the famous Galapagos Islands, not Galapagos, apparently, as everyone else pronounces it. Oh, really? They say it differently. Galapagos. Although, Troy, where do you come from? I mean, let's be realistic. Hey, I say things at least partially correctly 80% of the time. Well, no, it's not that. It's it's the city you're from. Oh, instead of Louisville, you have to pretend you're brushing your teeth and go, Louisville. Right. Louisville. 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 Yeah. Are you from Louisville, Kentucky? Yes, I am. Oh, nice. So, After some people pronounce it level. Level. Yep. <laughs> or they, they cut out half the, oh, they cut out three fourths of the letters. And how is this Louisville anymore? No, it's just to say it so you get through it fast. It saves a whole bunch of time. <laughs> they need a, they need to do this in a trek where they have someone miss, like the aliens are trying to pronounce the language. Maybe the universal translator is having problems translating it. Yeah. So, it was half a continent. You're with the USS Louisville. <laughs> oh, apparently there's something about Topeka. I don't know. No. I don't know. I, I, Topeka. I, I, I was about to say I've I, I've the, the only time I've been to Topeka. I spent a year there one night, but that was about it. Prison spent a year there one night. Yeah. Topic. <laughs> Interesting. There's um, nothing there. I mean, there. really. There's there's uh, nothing in Kansas at all. Drop it like it's hot. So. So what were we talking about again? Star Trek, uh, Something about Star Trek. Doritos. 
Doritos, I thought, right? Doritos, Doritos. Cheetos, and Lordex. So, yeah. okay. Straw poll. Uh, how many people liked, I guess I should say, how many people didn't like Lower Decks? Raise your hand. Okay, so we all pretty much all liked Lower Decks then, I think, is where we all are on this one. I, I really like Lower Decks. I do too. I really like that the show is very positive, mm-hmm. honestly. You know, their characters are having a bad time, but they try to maintain positive, and you don't see a lot of bullying back and forth on the ship, even though they're making fun of, like, the upper deck people, like, dude, they're so lame, whatever. We do all the really hard work down here. They're not being overtly cruel to one another, which I appreciate right now, because I just want to see that positive community that Star Trek is. That Star Trek's supposed to be, right? Yes, exactly. What it should be, idealistically, right? It is by far the most Star Trek-y of the three shows CSL Access has produced. The the Kurtzman saga. I've actually kind of decided that we've got Kurtzman and we've got Berman Star Trek. You've got Roddenberry Star Trek, and there was only really the two shows in the Roddenberry universe. You had Toss and Tass. And then you've got the Berman Star Trek, which is TNG, DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise. And then you've got the Kurtzman group, which is this last three. Well, you could put the films as uh, JJ. Uh, those are also, but Alex Kurtzman was on, Kurtzman. on JJ Abrams' he had it, crew. Yeah, he had his finger in there. Yeah, except so for Beyond, which which was the best of the three because Kurtzman wasn't involved with it. Good old Simon Pegg helped write that one. Yeah, Simon Pegg was so passionate about that project. He's like, oh, give yeah. it to me. And it acts like Trek. I mean, Beyond acts yeah. like Trek. So there's that. Yeah, that's what that, I mean. Know, Brent's asking about the Kelvin timeline. And that's actually what yeah. we're addressing. So that'd be the Abrams timeline, I guess. Yeah, Got it's, a lot of it's technically called the Kelvin timeline. So it's yeah. two thirds the Abrams timeline because Justin Lin did a fantastic job with yeah. that third one, and Simon Pegg and Jung, Doug Jung, who was the other writer on it. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Was it Doug it's Jones? Just a fun ride. Doug Same Jung. Doug Jones. Jung. Oh, J-U-N-G, Young, I think. Young, with a... Okay. Yeah, the, who, who co-wrote it with um, Simon Pegg. Yeah, 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 I agree. Uh, for a minute, you, I yeah, I'd say that Doug up. Jones, and I was like, what? Really? Wow. <laughs> I was like, Doug, I couldn't, I was trying to figure out his last name. I know it wasn't Jones, it was like an like Asian name. I, I, uh, he was I am never husband. surprised anymore, because, like, I, I recently just found out that one of the two guys that created Adobe Photoshop wrote Rogue One. Or part co-wrote Rogue One, which still really? blows my mind. Like, that's such a weird cross-hatching right? of it's like a hobbies. It does not compute. Special <laughs> effects—they they, they match. It's not like he made Reese's peanut butter cups. So right. that's I, what I, we're I doing right that's now. What we're doing right yep. now, right here. I can, right now. I can definitely see how even just the cookie cutter aspect of that they took to lower decks feels so much more like Star Trek because they just decided to do really similar opening like you see back with Toss because it's what it's, uh, not Toss, sorry, Next Gen since that's what it's following the coattails of. Um, I believe it takes place after the Nemesis movie. Yes, yeah. Yeah. after yeah. Nemesis. Um, and uh, and they, they clearly said, well, here's how a Trek episode goes from the old days. Let's copy that formula and then put our own storyline in it. So it, it does feel more like original-esque Trek than Picard or Discovery because they've clearly 
expanded into new territory with the way they tell their stories. Right. And let's talk about those title cards. I mean, speaking of, they're using the next-gen font and everything straight up. Yeah, it's a complete homage to Next Gen. The only thing I would say is that intro, even though it's, I love it, it's funny, uh, it seems more Voyager-esque. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Yeah. It seems more lost in space, except for them, like, finding the Borg and, yeah, and running away. In it. <laughs> yeah. Nobody yeah, yeah. out of that one. I also love that they put the ship upside down. Because you don't talk about that, because it doesn't matter where they are in space. <laughs> but, like, for half the intro, the ship is upside down. When you first see it in the first episode, it's upside down. You're like, "That's great." Who should be underneath? Why is the disc not on top? But in space, it doesn't matter. And I like that they made fun of that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I liked. Um, I love the uniforms. Yeah. Uh, Guy, are you a fan of the uniforms? I am. I actually, uh, I drew an entire crew of the. the new I think I saw that. I think I saw. Did you put it on Instagram? I don't remember. Instagram, yeah. Nice. I, I like those that. New uniforms. I love the fact that they're double breasted. It actually makes me really want to go out and get one. Um, it's, it's, it's Can you? I much. think you got to make your own. Yeah, maybe. Well, I don't know. I've got, I bought a, a Picard uniform about two weeks before Picard came out. So, oh, really? Yeah, from China. So it took forever for it to get here. But that's all right. Um, <laughs> but I, I have it now. I've got a Picard uniform. It's kind of cool. Uh, what about the dress uniform, though? Yeah, I know the dress uniform is beautiful. Uh, because I, mean, because I have never seen someone make fun of a the word dress uniform by making <laughs> it a dress. Oddly enough, that is actually canonical. They're, for the first like three seasons of TNG, every time they had to get in dress uniforms, it was these long things that were down to their knees. Yeah. I just like you said, what do you get married after this? Yeah, I know. It was just like a TNG, uh, yeah, TNG Early season, best uniform. Yeah, the, was like the, the the man skirts. I have to go back and watch. I don't remember them being that long. Well, well, there's. Oh, yeah, they were. We're, conf- we're confusing two things. There's okay. there's the official dress, like uh, like there's like a mini skirt version. The scant. Of, yeah, the scant, which which men and women men? both wore. Yes. In TNG, uh, but then that just all went away. And then there, but there also was uh, like a, a dress uniform where, like, for formal occasions, for weddings, and for diplomatic missions that they would wear. And it was longer. And it was, it sort of looked like a dress, but they still wore pants. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the, and there were two variants to it because uh, first, second, first season and second season, it was, it was as long as Boindler's version on the show. So mm-hmm. it was that so, long. it's like a tunic. They, yeah, it totally is. And then like third season on, they shortened it up so it was to the length of your fingertips, which was much more of a military cut to it. So um I'll share this here for think, anyone actually watching. Yeah, Chelsea, you if you want to see the scant yeah. yeah that, that's, oh my god! I have to go back and watch because I don't remember these, and they look amazing. And then here's the uh, oh. here's the scant. The scant, yeah. That's that's more um. Scant, I love it so. That's more um season season one. You'll see the scant more often. After season oh, one, you don't see it nearly as much. Yeah, yeah it kind of disappears. Kind of dresses, I love it. Well, and that was oh, that was the oh. whole point. Was they they wanted to have all the women in miniskirts because Gene Roddenberry was still in charge, but they were willing to do the well. Everybody's got to wear miniskirts then, so they went for everybody wore miniskirts. 
Um, it seems like something Gene Roddenberry would be all, all right with. Yeah, G- Gene Roddenberry yeah. was. Yeah, he was. He was freaky. We, we I totally mean, agree, Brent. Those were nice legs. So <laughs> it's, just, it's just ahead of its time. It's like one of those things that they tried now. It might have actually worked and not received quite as much. Yeah, but what happened was in third season, Berman actually it was it was actually Michael Pillar who I think did this. Um, Pillar was the one who kind of forefronted the idea that they should just move everybody into uh, uniforms because you wouldn't want to crawl around in Jeffrey's tubes in a skirt yeah, no scan, of any right. sort. Yeah, yeah. So, I can. Yeah, I will say yes to that. But what if but, it's hot in there, and then the, you have someone open up the end where your butt's facing, and you get the nice crosswind? Well, that's why I always take off all my clothes before I go on to Jeffrey's too. Well, wait a right, second. Exactly. I, I mean, like, there's there's different duties, obviously. So there's some people who are just going to be a desk jockey, and they want to uh, show off their legs. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. that's okay. And as you're on a science the- ship, you're trying to get a date, you got nice legs. If that's your feature, that's your feature. Yeah. yeah you do it. You share what I you mean, got, man. Engineers <laughs> might not understand, work it, but anyone else should be able to. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, how often is anyone not engineering going to be in uh, the two? Yeah. Brent, your, your guts are you, the only one that. The only man. thing that really didn't make any sense. The only thing that didn't make any sense was Troy's uh, strange uniform. Yeah. Troy was her own special case in her own special little and world. It, and it wasn't only until uh, Captain Jericho. Jericho. Damn, Jellico. Jellico. Jellico said. And, and it was like Jellico. Wear a uniform. Him. Yeah, we're, we hate him for everything else, but we love him for that one thing. Except that all like, the no, fans. Actually, I hate him for that. Oh, okay. We well, can hate you him. Hate, hate him for that. Because he like, it wasn't like all nice yeah, things. Yeah, but if you ask Marina, she loves him for that. She thinks that's the yeah. best oh, yeah. part. Finally, she could get into a normal spacesuit like everybody else. And she was like... Didn't make any I sense. To see her. It never made any sense. No. I wanted to see where all those outfits Tasha was going through in season one. Yeah, I know. Tasha was going through a ton of them. That we never got to see her go through. But, you know, uh, <laughs> to be honest, I think that... I always thought that Deanna Troy looked much sexier when she was in uniform. So, there was that. Yeah, I like I like the uniforms. Yeah. Avert, avert your eyes, because here's here's all of the Star Trek crew wearing the Deanna Troy uniform. Oh, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I love Riker. War- With those Warf- huge shoulders. <laughs> Snaps. Yeah, Riker can do it. Is, Warf- is Data supposed to be that stacked? <laughs> hey, he can be built any way you want him. I'm concerned. <laughs> Are you saying the data's well built? I'm just saying. I'm not saying, but I'm saying. Childhood crush coming back to haunt me. Excuse me for a second. Uh, yeah, well, I had to. <laughs> Deanna Troy was my childhood crush, too. So there's, you know, there's that. Oh, well, thank you, guy. You're welcome. The non uniform helped me with the crush, though. I've always had a crush on you, Troy. You know that. I know that. It's the way it is. It's just nature of things. What you I told do me on like- uh, Rogue One. Exactly. <laughs> I think we we were even said that on Synthaholics. Of course, yeah. We can't hide, we can't hide our love. No, we can't. So, uh, I, making you stop making out. Exactly. I know. What's well, the distance? The COVID nineteen thing. <laughs> um, we didn't have COVID during Rogue One, though, so y'all were free. No, to do that's it, right. we wish. We were just in different cities at the time. Yeah. I think 
maybe possibly. I don't remember. Well, we did Rogue uh, One. No, it was in your basement. My, oh, well, that's where everything happens. <laughs> that's where everything happens. <laughs> I mean, there's just a bed off camera. Yeah. Uh, so I've noticed yeah, yeah, yeah. that um, I've got some Trek friends who um, I would say probably as hardcore Trek Trekkies as you guy, um, or at least in some ways, and they fall in that category that you were talking about before where people just despise everything coming out of CBS. Yeah, I've got I've and noticed I re- that there's uh, there are waves of this. And I feel like there cuz I mean, you know, when you look online and look at like just the the vitriol that's coming out, I, I feel like that there's waves and I I'm starting to see a pattern. Like I was in the wave that hated Berman Trek. And it was the exact same thing for me. I didn't get into TNG really until maybe middle second season and then I was begrudgingly liking it and then third season came out with best of both worlds and I really got into it um and so I had that same problem where like I just didn't want to watch DS9 because I wasn't interested in any of the characters and it just seemed too different and they're stuck on a spaceship like what yeah whatever what can they do and now I do love the show I, I, uh, to be fair, I, the first two seasons of Deep Space Nine are a slog to get through, even though it's my favorite of the series. If Wishes the Were Horses are. Oh, I'm are sorry, I must have coughed there. Cisco's useless. Oh, and it's, it's difficult. And three more. You know, we were talking about this before. Like, when you love something so much because you were introduced, like, I was introduced to the original Star Trek movies, and then we moved to, you know, um, Next Gen. And I love Next Gen very, very much. It's hard to let go of all the things you loved about Next Gen because it's not going to be in Voyager. It's not going to be in Enterprise. It's not going to be in Disco. There's going to be new things that you will love, but those things that you love so much and you talked about so much and discussed for so long in all these different forums, it's hard to let that go and accept that this is going to be something new within the same universe. And there will be things you love. You just have to find out what you like about them. Right. Well, and that's my thought is I think that uh, you end up with a showrunner. In the case of Berman, you know, he was sort of crafting because he took over pretty close to second season right in there. And Roddenberry really wasn't with it. He wasn't with the times. So you can really see a distinct difference between first and second season TNG. Yeah. When did he pass away? He passed away in 91. But he was he was uh, sidelined yeah. before that, right? Yeah, he was um, off. The show he was sidelined much. in '89 and put as executive producer, which just really meant that. And I mean, uh, according to all the books that I have read, he wrote scathing memos, and everybody just ignored them. And in <laughs> a way, it was kind of sad because he kept, you know. But to be fair, I mean. There is a little bit more of a logic to you know to the to the stuff and and code of honor. Oh my god, um, that's so, a terrible episode. It is a, that was yeah. well, even the naked now is not a good episode. No. You know, Encounter of Farpoint is yeah. cool, but that was yeah. written by DC for by by Dorothy Fontana and yeah, my yeah. I, I think all those episodes. I mean, they're all trying to find their legs as as characters and all that. But I think Gene Roddenberry had a great idea, initial idea. But after that, yeah, and it, it didn't. Live, it he's didn't, like he's Lucas. He's yeah. a broad strokes kind of guy. Don't let him touch the details, right? Yeah. Well, and but Berman, he was still kind as much of as we all hated Berman, and we did. Um, and from Terry Farrell, there's a good reason for hating Berman. But um, yeah. Berman, Berman crafted the 
newer shows. Well, that yes, um, uh, Brent Brent saying the measure of a man was was awesome, and it was. Um, it was yeah. great, but part of that well, was because nobody got to touch the script very much because mm-hmm. Roddenberry rewrote it and then sent it back, and Dorothy Fontana bumped it back out to the writer Mm. and she got the writer got to rewrite it again and put it back where it was and then Roddenberry never got a second pass on it well because as far as I had heard Roddenberry was searching for the show as it appeared in his head and you see pieces of that in like Voyager and in the original series and in Next Gen it just it never came to full fruition as he saw it right uh, Roddenberry's vision of what was going on was that we have hope for the future, that things can go bad, but they'll always get better. That's that's mm-hmm. sort of been Roddenberry's thing. And um, it's interesting how everybody has expressed it, because I'm finding Kurtzman is expressing it in long form. So he's expressing that everything will get better, but you have to wait three seasons for it to get better. Right? Really? So but that seems... I don't even know if it's going to get there. I don't know, Guy. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. He's got a bleak vision of the future. It is no vision of the future. (laughs) None. Well, I don't know. And we'll have to see where Discovery goes in season three. Um, But Picard came out on the other end on a... It was... Picard was the hopeful one in the entire run of Picard. And everybody else was bleak. And now we're going to see that's, where everybody's going to go at the end of this because that's the pivot point. So I'll see. I mean, seven and nine turned out to be basically a bounty hunter. Uh, I like Fender's just going out, just just going out and blowing people away. So I mean, she wasn't trying to peacefully resolve issues. She was just blowing people away, from what we she can tell. All the humanity she got from Janeway, she just threw away and became a, a, a different kind of non-human, basically. Uh, yeah, you know, Raffi was a broken person. Uh, the what's his name? The ship captain, um, Rios. Rios. Rios was a mess because of what he experienced. You know. Um, yeah, but I, I, I have the same kind of argument. I kind of argued a little bit via text on with David about this one uh, earlier, mm-hmm. uh, which was the the idea that there's got to be broken people in Starfleet. You can't just have everybody perfect. Well, I agree, and and, and we're, we're not talking. Them. They're not Starfleet, so I mean, right. that's I mean, that's the important thing. In Picard, they got kicked out. I mean, they're they're no longer in Starfleet. Raffi and Rios. Raffi's the way Raffi is because she got kicked out, and that makes some sense. Um, Rios is that way because of what happened in his service, which makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, we talk a little bit about lower decks. All of these guys are kind of weird and funky too. Well, they you know, you can't always have a ship full of William Rikers. And so no, what, but they're cute nerds. Yeah, <laughs> they're a bunch of cute nerds that are all stuck together. Which is I, a different aspect. Of it. That's a different. Aspect I have a, I have a I sneaking suspicion. Right. <laughs> I, I have a sneaking suspicion that, like, maybe the last like episode or the second last episode, we're going to see Mariner completely become unraveled because of her, uh, which I won't give away details, but her background. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I love Mariner as a character, though she's. A Spitfire. Yeah, but no prisoners. But she's kind of. I I was kind of saying, Dave. She's kind of like a spoiled kid when you know her background. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like she was able to give wide latitude for what she's she's doing. So, um, I don't know. Brent has. I I just. I think. Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. 
Go, no, go. no, go ahead. I was going to say Brent is making a comment that he says, I think with Picard, they're, they are going with that no one is perfect like in TNG, but they still have the ability to do good for all. That's an interesting aspect. I like that. Yeah. So here's something I'm just now observing. Um, with with horror movies and the zombie genre, it's reflective of our times. So zombies have morphed throughout the years to represent kind of the problems in society. So uh, with it going back to the, uh, we have to band together to face the zombies, and it's all about community coming together, and then it turned into um, everyone's turning into zombies going to the mall, and then it turned into, well, I want to shoot my neighbor, and I really hate my neighbor, but that's a little, but he's a zombie, so I can shoot him. So it kind of got darker. (laughs) Zombies Flanders. Zombie Flanders. Um, so I, I can't really see this with Trek because with each block of Trek, it's reflecting kind of society. So original Toss was super positive in its outlook. And as we've gotten further and further, we keep seeing the reflection of the storytelling get darker and darker. Right. With yeah. Toss, uh, you know, the, and I think also that's another thing is we didn't live in those eras. Or people didn't live in those eras. And I'm feeling like the ones who were really down on Kurtzman Trek didn't live through Berman Trek. You know what I mean? I, I'm not, I did. I'm not saying you didn't. I'm just saying that the people who... And you like Lower Decks. Um, so there, there's... Uh, there's uh, I think that there's levels here. But I feel like... And I'm, I'm not talking about like people who have a legitimate gripe. I'm talking about those people who are already whining about these shows two weeks Oh, you mean prior. Midnight Sedge and Dukak? Yeah, exactly. Those those guys who were like, oh man, Doomcock, he makes me so mad because he's always like, haha, Picard's going to be canceled because it's so bad. And you're like, well, he said Kurtzman man. was fired like two years ago and Kurtzman's still doing the thing. I'm like, why, right. why do you like reporting all this? Like, it's because it's his fantasies. <laughs> he fantasizes that it's since, since, since Kurtzman Trek is not Berman Trek, he's mad. And then he's fantasizing that all Trekkies hate all of the Kurtzman Trek. Therefore, it will be canceled. This is his fantasy, and he's living so it. Wait, is it, who is this? Is this just like a commentator? This is yeah, a, he's a YouTuber, and he's got like a YouTuber. Okay, but, so he mad, but he also just reported. Yeah, he's a, he's a really angry bro. He he, he just reported that a, that uh, uh, they're gonna just undo. The, seven, eight, and nine of Star Wars and and redo them and just call them not canon. And this time they won't put a woman in charge and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay. Because, of course, you know, right? <laughs> Do, so it's, Doom like, Clock, it's like, it's like he's, he's trying to be a parody, but he's not funny. Mm-hmm. If he would lean into comedy, Doomcock could be amazing. But the fact that he's not funny and that he's... He, he believes his own hype. That's like Red Letter Media. Unbearable. But okay, so no, Red Letter Media is legit. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. Like Red way Letter, outside, Red Letter Media is, is funny. very shocking. I'm sorry, Chelsea. I talked right yeah, over Doom, you. Doomcock is not funny. Like it, it, it. So essentially, he's trying to do like the shock jock kind of thing. Yeah. Like say outlandish things. Be huge. Fuel the hype, make everything crazy, but not amount to anything. You know, the thing is, him stuff as as as, uh, Midnight's Edge. Midnight's Edge started all this this sly stuff too, and then he kind of ride on their coattails, and then they like point to each other's channel with the same 
rumors that there might be fact mm. but aren't fact. I mean, they they report he reports every single rumor that he can find. So if one of them is true, then uh, he he can claim legitimacy. Right. The so, shotgun effect. Yeah. So I was I was gonna say I so I have noticed that the one thing about these these guys are naysayers about all of it. It's like. They're not really talking about uh, the content so much as the politics behind a lot of the truck that we're seeing. So, um, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because if the trick that we're seeing now, you know, with with Discovery and with Picard, pretty much is the same politics that we had, you know, back in you know Deep Space Nine, Voyager, uh, just just pushed a couple of yard lines forward, you know. Right. Um, I don't see a lot of difference. You know, we see equality um, between all and, you know, whether you're whatever race you are, sexual persuasion, uh, anything. I just don't understand what the issue is on that, but they seem to have an issue. Maybe it's also, they don't like the smugness of some of the, the, the writers and producers behind it. Right. You know, like like, they're like, it's weird because they see the ideal future, right? I'm sorry. Chelsea say again. You see the ideal future, and they feel attacked maybe because they don't feel comfortable with that future, or they don't understand it. So why is this in my sci-fi kind of a thing? But my thing is like if you watch Three Saves Nine, you know, you know we have Cisco, a black man, you know, who's the captain. If you go to Voyager, you have a female captain. I mean, the only reason probably we never had a, a you know a full-out gay character. It's just because that's where, you know, television rules were at that time. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I was going to say was the difference is that with CBS All Access, especially. They can do what they want. They can do whatever they want. Nobody has to hide. Whereas in the Yay, Berman track, play friends. And I mean, like, I, I go back every time when people talk about this, I go back to the infamous kiss between Uhura and Kirk, which mm-hmm. it was Shatner intentionally botched every odd every take yeah. except for the one where he kissed her so they were stuck using them yeah. they didn't have a choice but they did yeah. that because NBC came in and said no you can't have a black woman and a man white man kiss each other that's not happening and so um yeah, I, I, from from the motor pool. By the way, those of you in the motor pool, uh, if you do not want me to put your names up here on the screen, just tell me. That's okay. But uh, Brent Brent has given permission to put your names up on uh, his name up on screen so that we can all read it. Um, Brent's given us permission to put everybody's name up. Yeah, Brent's given us permission to put everybody's name up. So I'm just going to put Troy's right. name up there all the time. Um, yeah, that's that's what we do. Um, but I get that you know our actual politics are difficult right now. I know a lot of people who are younger than me that are struggling with identity. And so they go by different monikers. They're experimenting with gender. And a lot of people are really afraid of that because they weren't allowed to. So why is everyone younger allowed to do it now? Why am I seeing that on television? I don't want that in my face when I couldn't do it. And it's just like, it's not too late. You can be whoever you want to be. It's yeah, okay. yeah. And the, some people just don't. They're some, saying that that somebody or one of the person in the motor pool is saying they think it's jealousy, and I, I might be jealousy. I, some people I just don't understand. Sure, it's some don't it's just, they don't get it. If it's outside their wheelhouse, it's it's super difficult. Um, I found a post today about Rocky Horror Picture Show, where some people were saying, "Hey, it's really transphobic. This doesn't really work anymore." 
And it was like, well, but this was at the time, these were the terms, this is what it was like. And these theaters that would show it were college educational buildings. And it was a safe haven for people to just do whatever they needed to do. And so, you know, some people are used to seeing their society. And if Star Trek is too different, maybe that's just too much for them. I, 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 Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I also think that we can be... So I think a lot of this is, well, the arguments I hear is, it's all in my face now. Well, it was as much in in your face as they could get away with with Toss and Berman Trek, too. It's just that, as we were talking, um, you remember when Dax kissed kissed her previous host, which happened to be a wife, because it was a a host of Curzon. It was Curzon's wife. Well, we had two women kissing on TV, and half the stations refused to play that episode. My dad didn't record that episode, so I couldn't watch it because they showed the kiss or they're leading to the kiss of the preview. So we, he, he, my dad skipped that week. We didn't watch that. Right, exactly. And you, so, and and that's ninety four. That was ninety four. Like yeah. And we had stations that refused to show it just because we had two women kissing, and yeah. they refused. And that's nineteen ninety four. And so, you know, it's we have to remember that in order for Star Trek to push any boundaries at all, they had to couch it in funny aliens or fluffy hats or, you know, bumpy foreheads. And there was no way. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I want to know why pushing social boundaries is such a huge thing when they're like pushing tech that might not like there are some scientists who are like this tech might not exist, but it's super cool. That's and, like, that's okay, but the social boundary is not. I think you it know, was, oh, sorry, it's somewhere between 2015 and 2018, Walking Dead had an episode where they had two guys kiss. Right. And they got tons of hate mail about how this show is not for children. And it's like, but there's zombies eating people, and you didn't care yeah. about that. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. Yeah, even, yeah, yeah. even, like, just a few years ago, people were losing their crap over two of the same sex kissing. Right. So we, we, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. Um, Yeah, I I like Troy. When Troy first showed me Walking Dead, he's like, okay, you're going to watch the first 10 minutes of this show. And if you can't take it, this is not the show for you. Because at first, that's that's where where, uh, Grimes shoots the little girl zombie. Yeah. And if you can't take that, and I I was like, yeah, okay, that's fair. (laughs) I'm like, as long as no cats jumped out from anywhere behind anything i was good <laughs> you know I, I just to go along i don't i think some of it too in like especially dave and i's issues uh with uh, uh discovery and picard had a lot to do more with the writing aspect yeah. i felt the there narrative. was a lot of i thought the narratives were like first of all the first season of discoveries all over the damn place yeah like they can't they can't figure out what they're doing with the show and uh, even the second uh, season, every th- time I think it's it's getting better, they do something really they do something weird, and you're just like, why are you doing that? Like, I, I, you know, I I don't have a problem with the politics behind it. I have a yeah. problem with the writing, and the same thing with Picard too. Like, uh, I'm the one thing that sticks in my craw is that I think it's the last episode or second last episode where they use that like magic device that the that the uh, wishful thinking the sense gave him. Yeah. All you got to think about it. And it's like, it's like, okay, so we're just talking, this is just weird shit that, you know, like, I mean, I know there's stuff like that throughout 
um, Star Trek weird things, but it was just kind of weird that this, you know, synthetic race could just invent this, you know, yeah. like out of nowhere. So I, I there's things Kayla like that. had the plans all along and next gen, he just never showed anybody. Yeah. Well, That's the button from Galaxy Quest. Get it and reset time. Uh, I feel like, Omega 14, you know, Omega in, the newer Trek, in the newer Trek series, it's tough to deal with because like Picard and Discovery are so serious, but there's no little like fluff episodes where everything's okay and we're just going to go on an adventure. Yeah. Whereas Lower Decks feels more like we are on this adventure with them and we're learning about our characters. Like it feels a lot more like fun Star Trek that I remember. Well, it's like the yeah. DC movies compared to the Marvel movies. You know, they they all have yeah. like serious things, but the Marvel movies puts chuckles in there, and you can laugh. You know, there's a there's a there's a punchline behind can't. every. Huh? I'm just. This is why we can't Egg let gone. Troy be in charge of things. Yeah. Why? Egg McGuffin. Oh, he wrote Egg McGuffin uh, back to the chat. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> oh, it's because you oh, can't... So, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Aaron. Aaron, okay, for, Aaron for those of you at home, Aaron can't see the screen. So he's I can't not see reading anything. anything on the bottom, so we're losing yeah. him with the discussion. I'm so sorry. Yeah, Aaron's looking at his... Aaron's, he's Aaron's using looking at his reflection. He, he, he actually, he's using no technology. He had a problem with his camera, so he's he's rerouting the EPS conduits and, and reconfiguring the That's work right. core. To, to he's got blisters on his blisters. Yeah. But, but you were saying, like, in in the old Star Trek, like, you used to get a break. Yeah, there'd be something, there'd be a, a fun, you know, like, romp, you know, adventure, and maybe there'd be a couple jokes thrown around, you know? Or, like, Broccoli, I mean, uh, Charlie Broccoli, uh, Charles Broccoli will come in and, like, make a joke, or he'll, like, want to have sex with Troy on the holodeck. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, yeah, but that's what Magic It Makes the Sanest Man was. Right. Except it was really hard. <laughs> Except it was a throwaway episode that had nothing to do with the plot of series. Well, that's what all those other... That's what Trouble the Tribbles is, too. But there, there was no thread in the original series. I mean, yeah. uh, Discovery and, and, had a limited amount of time to tell a story, which it forgot to tell, and then they had an episode that had nothing to do with anything. Well, and I think... I mean, run! I think what we're, run to so the end! I, uh. I'm, giving them, I'm giving them a break because, for me... I remember the first season of TNG where I was like, okay, I can write better than this with my eyes closed. And all of my junior high buddies and I were writing scripts to submit because we thought we can write better than these guys. So let's just write and submit some scripts because like they need help. Um, And then the first two seasons of Deep Space Nine, with the exception of Duet, it's the same thing. And and we were doing, oh, God, you guys, come on. I could write Bajorans better than this, and I don't even know who they are. And you guys are like completely screwing up their religion, and you, you didn't even—you're not even consistent between two episodes as to what the Bajorans can do and stuff like that. And then I remember the first two seasons of Voyager, where I was like, "Uh, yeah." So we've got a woman who's in charge, and the only way we can make it believable is to make her super butch and irritating. Okay, <laughs> I can write this one too. <sighs> So it was the same yeah. thing. The first two seasons but, of all of these shows. So the fact that I know that the my writing... My question is, why do we have to forgive them every single first two seasons for every single show? Why can't we have one just out the gate great? And so I, I far, actually, Lower, so Dex far is, Lower Dex is coming out of the gate pretty good. 
so far. But I mean, like, but up until now, like every first two seasons of all the shows have been rough. Bark. Yeah, and, uh, and, I mean, Enterprise. Enterprise got better in second season, but then they went to the Zindi arc, and it's like, oh, oh, I know the Zindi arc. Put a nail season, through my head. Oh my god, fourth season yeah. so good of, yeah, of Enterprise. Fourth season. So you could like watch second season and fourth season of Enterprise, and you're okay. You're okay, and, like, and after that, Broken yeah. Bow. You have to watch Broken Bow, but <laughs> then start at Carbon Creek and go from there, and then you just. Go away until Stormfront 2. Don't watch Stormfront 2. Just watch. <laughs> to tie it back to the previous point, though, like every time they start a new show, they have to figure out what their formula is, right? Yeah. And I feel like for Disco, after watching it a second time, they just wanted to be mysterious. And you're like, okay, but could you Thank explain you, the things that you set up, please? Because it's... It's frustrating, right? Because you're watching a new show and you want to love it. You want to go in with a fresh start, but they don't know how to do a fresh start because we're all Trekkie nerds just powering off the last thing that we saw and we want to make our version original and new. And how do you do that? Well, wow. it, yeah, but to, to, piggy, to piggyback off that, my, my, my issue with it is that, especially with the beginning of Disco, I felt like there was a lot of writers that did not know Trek very well. Mm. Where like Lower Decks... You know these these guys know it. They know these it inside know and out. Track, yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just feel like I mean, I think they're finally getting it. I think they're finally understanding. Like they've watched a, a good amount of Trek to understand. Okay, this is what Trek's really like. I felt like a lot of people didn't really understand. Just like I felt like you know, the JJ movies. JJ didn't have an understanding of Trek. And he admitted that. You know, he just knew. And yeah, he says I wasn't a fan. Yeah, which is crazy. Well, yeah, and, it's and like it's, it's obvious like, because Beyond is so good because Simon. But JJ had nothing to do with it, right? Simon yeah. Pegg was well, involved, and Simon Pegg, he could take me to task. You know, <laughs> it's like well, I mean, but it's like it's like giving someone like the the the, the controls of a of an airplane and being like, please fly my airplane. It's my favorite airplane, and you're like, I don't know how to do this, but okay, you know, like. Maybe you should read the manual for like a couple months before you get behind the you know the the stick there. You know, I, I have also, but I mean, I've been, especially with the guy in the middle over there, this one right here. He and I have been in creative groups together a number of times, and I have watched how something can get muddled down. You know, we'll have oh, a yeah. good idea, we'll have a good concept, and. Oh, but this would be cool to add, but this would be cool to add, but this would be cool to add. And by about six months in, you're like, wait a minute, what were we originally after on this concept? Because I think we've lost sight of it. And I feel yeah. like... Uh, yeah, it's really like, easy to downplay yourself yeah, or down-talk like yourself until you have bit. nothing. Right. I, I think we need. I think what they've gotten into was... CBS said, okay, it's time for Star Trek to come around. And everybody went, well, thank goodness. Oh, hey, we are free to do anything we want. If we've got a blank slate, what would we do? What would we do? And everybody just threw everything in the middle. And it needed one more pass. That's the way I feel about both Picard and Discovery. They needed oh. just one more you know, check. Maybe a, show, maybe a showrunner, a showrunner with a slightly more iron fist. Because I yeah. wonder how many of these shows have such a big committee with no one 
really wanting to back down or step forward. And that's, that, that's a good point, Troy. Yeah. The big uh, issue is that season one of discovery had three different writers. Room. Hmm. They got cycled out and they had three different groups basically. Yep. This, and then they lost the showrunners switched also twice during season one. They switched again in season two. Um, showrunners switched in the middle of the card from Kurtzman to uh, what's his Shaban. Shaban. Yeah. Oh, Shaban. And then um, I don't know about the writer's room. I don't remember reading about any shakeups in the writer's room. But Shaban well, then there was that big writer's, the writers. the writer's room was, was always over, or overseen by uh, Sir, Pat, Sir Patrick. But no. also uh, uh, I know Shaban went in and changed a bunch of stuff that Kurtzman had, Kurtzman had already written down. Right. So, I mean, there's lots of rewrites going on. So no one, like, none of these shows have had a concise singular vision. They've always been like throwing everything at the and wall and hoping it sticks by so many different people. And it shows because they do not feel concise and and, and they're not well written. They're all over the place. And it's like a mosaic of stuff, and it sometimes it doesn't like jive. You know, it's right. like that's the that's the issue I have with it. I think that the concepts are great, the characters are great, uh, the actors and the effects are uh, amazing. It's the writing that drives me bonkers because, you know, Dave and I always go to. I mean, now we're talking about Expanse, uh, ex- be, be, just before Lower Decks came up, and we are in love with the Expanse. And yes, I know it was a fully fleshed out novel, but that's what we're talking about here now. It's like, this is what we're up against. You have Game of Thrones and uh, Walking Dead and and The Expanse. These are fully fleshed out ideas that are coming to uh, the audience. And that's what you're competing with. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and CBS All Access is putting this out as like, this is what's going to sell their brand. It's not going to work to most people. Well, so. I feel like that. that- premium service wall that kills me because yes, they knew that, Trekkies would pay for it, which pisses me off. It's, it's built on the black Trekkies back of Trekkies. It. It's bu- right. Their, their, their brand is built on track. After you keep canceling all of our shows as soon as they finally get good and consistent, and then they're canceled. Like, yeah. it's hell. But David is saying something. Hang on. Chelsea, I, I, that is absolutely perfect because you, you're saying how, like, you know, it's built on the back of Trekkies. Well, it's put on the back of Trekkies, and then they go in and then make the show not really for Trekkies. They're trying to pitch it to a new right. audience, but where's that new audience? Who's what new people are coming in to see this? Yeah, it's We're only going to be Trekkies. Yeah, so we so brought up our friends, right? Well, so we there, there is something I want to kind of bring up here because this is actually I have read way too many books behind the scenes of everything. There is one thing that I have known that Star Trek has, and I'm seeing that they are still being plagued by it. And that is the network. The network gets into the nitty gritty of each and every one of these shows because they're so worried that it won't work. And that's what happened, obviously, with Discovery because they kept cycling the writer's room. That happened with Picard. They cycled the writer's room. They're worried that the show won't work. They come in. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. And it's always somebody who's not either a Trek fan, um, somebody who's who's 
just they're worried that if you put the color chartreuse out there, then everybody in the South will ban this show, and so they can't. You can't wear chartreuse, and you know, or whatever. But, and they, they like come up with all this crap. That. And what happens like, is, by third season, they've shown that they've got a following. They've shown that everything's okay, and the suits leave the show alone. One of the reasons why Deep Space Nine is so good is because the suits were fidgeting about Voyager. And all the yeah, suits that all the suits were all concentrated on Voyager. So Deep Space Nine just Ira Bear has talked about this all the time. He he's like, finally the suits left and we were like, okay, let's get down to it. Let's get into a war. Yeah, <laughs> right, like, right. I've said many times I said the Hollocks, the suits got their eyes off of uh Deep Space Nine onto Picard, I mean onto Voyager, and then it just got amazing because and, the, and you the can see it with every show. The, suit, the suits were involved in TNG up until about season three, and then they left it alone once they realized that it was making money and everything was fine. The suits were involved in Deep Space Nine right up until Voyager came along, at which time the suits left and went over to Voyager, and then Voyager got off, or then Voyager was messed up. But then again, you had the same thing. The suits left after about season two or three, and then Voyager actually found its legs, but the suits fretted over Voyager the entire time. But the suits were involved mm-hmm. in Enterprise for all four seasons. And it yeah. was rough. And so you can see that Enterprise is a mess. Well, CBS All Access has this entirely new brand. They've got this entirely new culture. Everything is new right now with CBS All Access, and they're fretting over everything. And so here you've got, well, they, they they want this to succeed. I just, I'm still mad because I feel like they opened up CBS All Access not with anything else but with Star Trek Discovery. If you're making us pay for it, stop messing with it. We're already here. But, you know, and and that's, this is the problem. Amen, Chelsea. I I mean, I I, I totally agree with you, Chelsea, but, and I am, by the way, not justifying anything. I'm just observing something that I have seen all along. The suits are that manager that doesn't know what your job is, but keeps coming in and telling you what your job needs to be. Oh, yeah. That's what these suits are. And they keep saying, hey, you either take away the the funny guy with a funny, bumpy hat head, or we're going to stop funding your show and cancel you. Well, okay. I guess. Give Chelsea the conch. (laughs) You You have lower decks. And Lower Decks comes out of the gate and just fires. So did they finally just set them free and figure it out? Because it's been, what, a year? I don't maybe think. Maybe I don't think. They're not looking at it as hard. But it's for kids, right? It. it was supposed to bring kids into the Trek fold? I, I, I think it's not kids' kids. Not I kids. think it's like I think mm. it's like teens kind of thing. So, Luckily, um, uh, luckily I, animation has changed. And you can thank Japanese anime for that. But... but is it because like parents are paying for CBS All Access and their teens and kids want to watch it so they can just throw whatever garbage they want out there? And but that's it? the thing is like honestly like I my kids have watched uh, some of Discovery, uh, but there are some of it I can't show them. Yeah, you I know. And uh, what Klingon sex doesn't sell to kids? Yeah, I know, right? How old are your kids? Uh, twelve and ten. Okay, I just asked for a reference because yeah. 
I just, but, it's yeah, interesting I mean, what some people show their kids and what some people don't, you know, there's limits for every parent, right? Well, yeah. for example, um, I don't think it's going to do well for that target audience because it's really felt like it really was targeted at the Trekkie because of yeah. all the inside jokes. Well, it, and I, think, uh, I think that's what happened. When I heard what CBS All Access was doing from their promos and everything like that, it was, hey, we're going to bring in a younger audience. And then I watched uh-huh. it and I'm like, nah, they're just, this is another Star Trek. They're just adding, can, just and, doing it in a different format. It's exactly like can, the animated series from the 70s. Can I say something too? I And I said this, I don't know if I said it on our last podcast that we talked about, but um, I firmly believe that this is the last generation that will enjoy Trek because unless they make Trek accessible to more people, especially younger audiences who don't want to pay for CBS all access, uh, nobody's going to tune in. It's going to be us. You know, it's, you know, the, the, the former fans that are going to, going to want to watch it. So, you know, my kids, they watch Trek just because dad watches Trek. They're not tuning in for themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and uh, Brent's, Brent's saying that's why he thinks The Mandalorian is working. Disney yes. didn't get involved. The The suits won't get involved in The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian right. is gorgeous. That is, I mean, I'm not even a big Star Wars fan necessarily. I mean, I, I love Star Wars, but I'm not as big into Star Wars as I am Star Trek, but I love The Mandalorian. But from what I've heard from that, they went ahead and showed everything they were going to do in advance, and it was just approved and out the door. Yep. And that's what Trek as we've said, consistently doesn't do. And they can't. In those first couple of seasons, because they can't. And I'm even more worried about it to piggyback on what Aaron was saying. Um, I'm even more worried now that Viacom's involved and they're they're putting all of it back together again with Paramount. That means more suits. And suits are not doing this any good. Um, Right. Well, and you're seeing all these fan projects. Like, they're notorious for striking down fan projects. Yep. You can't touch Star Trek in any sense of loving way or like the only thing they're not touching as far as I've seen is the fan fiction world, which I think is very strange. There's you have to remember that. that there's all these people writing so much content that know so much lore and there's so much talent that they could pull from. And I find it interesting that they never pull from that talent pool really. Like, you see Simon Pegg, but Simon Pegg was already famous and was able to pull in. You know, you see these other people who make these little connections and are able to get into that Star Trek world. But it's it's oddly competitive, and it's oddly, like, a fierce fandom. And I just wonder if it's the way it's built up, because the fandom wants to protect itself. Because everybody's already come after them, including the suits, including the studios. All these people are just like... Attack, 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 attack. Is there a point to being a Trekkie when you're just going to be attacked for what you love by the people who are making you the content that you are now purchasing? Well, I mean... Amen, Chelsea. I mean, but the one thing I'd say, too, is that, like, how we talked about The Mandalorian, how big of a success that was. It's success for two reasons. One, it's kid-friendly enough that you can watch you know, with your kids and there's nothing too gory or too awful in it that they can watch. And baby Yoda, of course, is yes. a smash hit, um, <laughs> which no one's going to fight anybody for. But no. uh, the, uh, the other side of it is that, you know, older fans, 
Mandalorian just makes all these callbacks without saying anything, just by putting a, a, a symbol on a wall or, or you know, a certain type of blaster or a certain type of armor or something like that. And it, it just, the, you know, the nerds just go crazy for it. They're like, holy shit, did you see that? Did you see that? And it's like just little, little Easter eggs just peppered throughout the whole thing. And when you had Discovery come out, you know, here you is before the original series and you felt like, what world am I in? This isn't like I don't expect them. I don't expect them to look like Toss because original series was obviously made of all like you know, plywood and, and yeah, shoestrings and, and those dots, yeah. dots candies. But yeah, I mean you can't do that. But they finally caught up when they did season two and they try to make you know Pike ship and, and and they 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 nailed that really good. They they finally did. But the first season you got everyone just kind of like uh, genuflect you know, over this like world, like, what is this? This is not start. I mean, the Klingons don't look like Klingons and people are losing their minds. So the, the they ships, should, the ships look futuristic. They don't look like TOS ships. I mean, like you can make it updated and, and still re- maintain the TOS era feel, but nothing yeah. felt like TOS. Yeah. And every time we bring this up, I keep thinking about um, my feeling about, you know Star Trek Hilton, which is what we call TNG, <laughs> right? TNG, because right, right. Yeah. The, I mean, where were the hallways and the multicolor? Everything looks like it's a the the yeah, but, of a Hilton hotel, and it's like well, yeah, but you know, I I, I know sure, what you're you saying. The, you can change the interiors to modernize yeah, the them, but the interiors look right. it looked like a oh, duck. but but <laughs> I, I know, but 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 guy, how how. It's yeah. It's it's literally like a hundred years in the future, eighty years in the future. Sure. So it's like, this what are we t- in the same era of, of TOS? Like, there you're talking be some visual callback, right? It's square nacelles instead of round nacelles, and it was just because, uh, uh, what's his face, mandated it. Like he mandated the Klingons being different. Yeah, well, um, and and that's the thing. That's fuller. Yeah, it's that's the entire that's the problem with this whole thing. Is like I said, you've got Brian Fuller who wasn't really he had a different idea he was a suit there are people right. who are trekkies and then there are people who are suits and but we thought Brian Fuller was a trekkie because he I had he was, he was too, an alumni but, but I mean, he wasn't you know, and it's like sometimes they're just suits but also i i mean like <laughs> troy had to wear a skirt forever because the suits said so too i mean she was selling maybe things. he was a trekkie Maybe he was a Trekkie who got caught in a transporter accident with a suit. Maybe he's oh, a no, Tino, he, a Trekkie in name only. He has a beard. Just he, remember, he's the evil one, right? right. <laughs> was Franklin a suit? Did he merge with Franklin and become part suit? Right. Yes. From so, relics. So, uh, that, uh, but that, that, that's a. But, I mean, I see. I see a lot of what we're saying here, and I actually we don't need to go back into. I'm so sorry. We, we thought the same thing about Enterprise because Enterprise looked too futuristic to fit with Toss too. Um, and, and I thought yeah, Enterprise I, was. I mean, it it did, but it also had some callbacks to make it look. The nacelles were round. I mean, like it was like it did when they did the Defiant, that Defiant looked exactly like the original yes. series, and they were all um, like freaking out about how cool it was. Yeah. Um, but you remember, but John I mean, Eves designed the NX01, and he designed all the ships for Discovery. So it was the same designer. So the that's cool. a suit. It's a suit involved because I've actually interviewed John Eves numerous times, 
and the guy is like totally on board with all this stuff and he loves the Star Trek lore and and you know what I mean? It's like stuff like that. So the cool um, the cool thing is lower decks is is making those callbacks and the only thing I see people having a problem with is it's a comedy. It's it's a comedy cartoon. It's purely comedy. And some people can't get past that. Yeah. You know, and why not? Why can't Trek be a little more comedy driven? Because we haven't seen a show that really focuses on, you know, these people are trying to survive in a an, an crazy environment. Yeah. We do, we do have Orville and Galaxy Quest, but mm-hmm. this is the first time Trek has decided to go into that territory. And make fun of itself, right? Yes. I think, I think some people... I think some people jumped the gun on this one too because one of the creators worked on um, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. And so people were completely expecting Rick and Morty with a Star Trek skin, which is not at all what it is because Rick and Morty is not PG 13. It's much worse it's, than that. It's R. It's pretty it's, much it's R. hard R. Yeah. Um, I think people going there wanting it to be Rick and Morty as Star Trek are going to be the ones disappointed because that's not what it is. It's uh, definitely much lighter in the humor. Um, I feel like it's doing the thing where it's in that gray zone the way that Orville was when it first started of like trying to figure out where is my humor and how far do I want to go and we're going to see the same thing in about four or five episodes it'll start hopefully hitting dead on the nail every time and we'll find its footing because it's I, I put it at about a six out of a ten um, I thought it was good enough I'm, I'm happy to watch the next couple of episodes but it wasn't good enough that I think I can recommend it to people unless if they are like Guy, a Trekkie who's going to go, hey, I get that. And I bet 80% of the audience didn't get that. That's a good point. That's a good point. It is it is an inside joke for Trek, Trekkies. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's still really fun for a light Trekkie. Sorry, Jim, go ahead. I'm going to find the picture oh. we saw earlier about the shape. Oh, no, you're, you're fine, Chelsea. I, I, I agree with Troy. I mean, like, I like this show. Aaron likes the show, and and we all seem to kind of like the show. But I'm I'm with Troy. I don't think I can recommend it to anyone who's not a super hard Trekkie, because I mean it's not Mandalorian levels of good where anyone can enjoy it. You still have to be super hard in the Star Wars uh, Star Trek to really enjoy uh, uh, Lower Decks. I think hmm. because it, it's not Rick and Morty with a Star Trek skin for the Rick and Morty fans. And well, it's, if it was that might be more accessible to a general audience, but it's still so hard on Star Trek. It's, you still got to have that fandom. I don't think it's a good uh, bringer in for newcomers. Yeah, it, it reminded me a little bit uh, of when my I had cousins watching The Family Guy, and they were younger than me. And I'm like, "There's no way you got that joke." You know, it's like it's that's a Gen X joke. I mean, nobody's going to get that unless you grew up in that era or you knew what that you know, music reference or movie reference was, you know? So like, but strangely enough, people still watch that. So it's in that weird middle for me. I feel like where it's like Animaniacs where I watched it as a kid and <laughs> half of the stuff flew over my head yeah. and I'll go back and watch it later and I'll pick up more stuff. You got more jokes more of the show. Or, yeah. 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 Cause I haven't seen every single piece. I don't remember every single little thing here and there, but if I go back and, you know, watch a couple of movies and then go watch the show, I might pick up things here and there. And I love that. I like picking up one to two things where like guy is leaving us comments about like, Oh, she's doing this. Oh, this happened. Oh, this happened here. And I'm like, I love that knowledge. I'm happy to have that knowledge with a with another larger Trekkie fan there. I'm so happy to have that because it becomes a connection then. It becomes a, a, a jumping board, right? Right, right. Well, and every, right. everything in there is is something entertaining. The, what she was talking about, of course, is there's that 
there's a scene where Mariner is asleep and and she she's dreaming and she's mumbling and what she's mumbling oh, yeah. is literally what Khan was saying in yeah, Star Trek yeah. Two, and she's just yeah. mumbling the Star Trek Two stuff. Well, nobody's gonna catch that. So yeah, it's funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I picked up on it, but I wasn't really sure what she was saying for a second. So in the uh, in the second episode. There's a shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. And I recognize the shapeshifter from the original animated series. I can't find a picture of it from Lower Decks, but there's a picture from the original animated series. Yeah. Oh, nice. Dead on. Scrapped it. So, it like, hey. There we go. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, if you happen to see the second episode, keep your eye out for the shapeshifter who makes a cameo from the uh, cartoon. Yep. So. Which, which means that now all three of the Kurtzman... Um, Star Treks have referenced in one way or another the animated series. Thus, I know. Thus canonizing finally the animated series. I, I used to argue with people like this is canon. This is canon. People would be like no it's not. It's bullshit. Yep. Totally. Where are the life field suits that, that are just belts? Where yeah. are those if it's canon? Maybe they, were, maybe they weren't uh, they, they, they didn't leaks. properly work. They, they had leaks. Right, right. Recall. Where the fuck McCoy went out in those things? Yeah, yeah well, maybe McCoy they wouldn't even transport. <laughs> yeah, see if it's and it's hundred years of the future. Yeah. Oh, this thing should be foolproof now. A hundred years of advancement. Okay, so we've gone over by about nine minutes for the show. For all of you guys who uh-huh. are watching our live show, we can continue on if you want, or we can go on ahead and move on to uh, the synthaholic section of this, where we'll get all spoiler heavy. So this is where or we, we can, take our shirts or off. Just, or we can no. just move spoiler Everybody heavy now. Because that's the way, <laughs> that's the rule. <laughs> hey, we're I in 2020 now. I can't, everybody. I can't see anybody, so I'm sorry. I just see me, so I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and he's into the idea of taking his own shirt off. So. <laughs> oh, that's not the Patreon reward for him to run naked through the woods. That's but, right. um... So, Brent, are you okay with going on then into spoiler territory if you guys want to hang on? Uh, we're going to go into what we would call the synthaholic side of this, where we can get into heavy spoilers and talk about it. All five of us have seen both episodes. So Brent's saying just keep going, <laughs> keep broadcasting. So we'll just drop the warning that we're going to talk about. Spoiler the warning. From- Take a warning that Aaron's taking his shirt off. How much can you spoil a 30-minute cartoon anyway? Well, we can we can go through all of the the uh, the inside all jokes. everywhere. Okay, he's caught up, he says. So, Okay, so if anybody here is on the show, has not seen episode one and two, now is the time to either stop the podcast or stop stop watching us here. I hate to make or, people or go away, but this is the we time. We might actually encourage people to watch it by giving them spoilers. Go yeah. away. But uh, there we go. Okay, so we're now in spoiler territories. So spoiler alert. Wait a minute. Computer. Red alert. <laughs> okay. Didn't work. He's all red now. For for Aaron's benefit, the lights have now changed in Guy's studio. Oh, great. To red. Yeah, he's turned red. You need a spoiler alert to go along with your red alert. You need the alarm. Angry mode. So. Okay, so let's talk about let's talk in depth about these episodes. Yeah. Somehow I keep like totally overrunning Aaron. I'm so sorry, Aaron. I don't mean to keep okay. running you over. Well, this is their show now. You gotta shut up, guy. Yeah, shut, yeah, up. shut up. It's your it's your show. Hey, hey, no. 
my god. Well, uh, let's just go to the very beginning and talk about uh, the characters, and you know, so we uh, the Balmer Mariner. Uh, what's the Orion's name? Uh, Tendi. I pulled Tendi. her up. Tendi. Tendi and um, Rutherford. Uh, Rutherford. Yeah, and the, and those are those are the main characters. Uh, who's who's your favorites? I love Rutherford so much. He's so adorable. As the quirky little cyborg boy with the fastest love story I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yep. And then I'm I'm still in Club Tindy. I love her. She she would be me if I was on a starship. That'd be me. I'd be like, yeah, that would that would be. It's a warp nacelle, and then stare. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Tindy's Tindy's my favorite. I'm, I'm hoping for some hard Orion lore since. We've got so little Orion lore in Star Trek. I'm really hoping we'll have a Tindy focused episode where we get to learn a lot more about the Orion. So I'm fully on Team cool. Tindy as well. Yeah, apparently, there's no sand on Orion. Or maybe there's no oceans. Yeah. I, that might be part of it. Because there's no sand anywhere, right? Um, I I probably, I don't, I, I, I'm more interested in Mariner because, I, like I said before, I feel that there's a bombshell ready to be like, there, there's a deeper story there. And I'm more interested in that. So mm-hmm. she was a first uh, officer. She got demoted all the way back onto ensign because she's like spads. Yeah. Right. Well, she I she think, probably did some. She probably did something to break the rules and got herself in trouble. My, well, my she feeling, said she was gray right off the Klingon, so I mean, she had to have been high up to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that uh, what's probably going to happen. Well, I think what happened is that she's a spaz because she got bumped back all the way down to ensign. Um, uh, what about you, Troy? You didn't. Oh, uh, well, yeah, it's, um, I, I am in the same boat as you, though. I think Mariner is a really cool character, and her, a lot of what she's doing is clearly she's pushing that test of how far can she push her parents. Yeah. Having kids, I totally see that all the time. Don't do that. You know you'll get punished. Do it anyway. Well, now you're punished. Why are you punishing me? Because I told you. I so I see her totally being in that mindset of, like, how far can I push and test my parents? Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm also liking Rutherford just for the fact that I just made a role-playing character for Guy's Star Trek game that's coming up, who is 100% a techie. And so his mindset is exactly how I was envisioning my character in the game. Of like He loves tech and fixing things and has no other care about personal life or anything else like that. Um, but I'm also making the character to be like Wesley because I want everybody to hate him. Um, so, but... Uh, yeah, for, for for only an hour worth of a show, um, they've they've really only given us like the the main four there, uh, the backgrounds, and right. it, it'll be interesting to see when they start devoting more of a storyline to one or two characters instead of trying to spread it out, which they they have to do at the beginning. I understand. Yeah, I mean, we got just the introductions. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot about Mariner and her personality, anyway. Like she obviously knows a lot because of her parents and because of her experience but she also knows that starfleet is not exactly the greatest place because of how bureaucratic it is mm-hmm. like her giving farm equipment to this colony low-key and like knowing a lot about their culture even after being on the first visit to keep all that in mind for the second visit that's a very compassionate thing to do and she's just trying to do the right thing even though it's not the legal thing Right. And trying to drag her colleague into it, like, listen, I need you to be on my side because I am in the right here. It's not the good thing to do. It's the right thing to do. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that um, what I think is going to be more interesting is um, uh, to see why you know, like, like Troy was sort of saying, like the the friction between her parents, like, like I kind of feel like she's got this background that that front loads her to a, like a, a more robust character where like someone like Balmer is just reading everything through like manuals, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he's more excited about the idea, but he hasn't had the experience yet. She has yeah. experience, but, but something jaded her to the point where maybe it was her parents, maybe it was the experience within Starfleet. I mean, who knows? Um, but that she just, you know, doesn't care for the rules anymore. Yeah. So that's the way I see her. Mm-hmm. Well, and she's willing to jump into it, whereas Bomer is not. Even though he's read about this and wants all that glory, he doesn't want to do anything to attain that glory necessarily. He's a very unwilling participant. I, I, I would say maybe not unwilling, but maybe uh, not realizing that he it's it's up to him mm-hmm. you know it's like okay. yeah. i think I, th- I think when we're all younger we're always like waiting for permission to do something and not realizing that permission just comes from you you just mm-hmm. do it you know whether someone asked you to do it or not because like whether however you want to take control of your life it's it's up to you it's nobody's going to give you that you know uh key to that door you just gotta like find a way in you know kind of thing so i i am humored by the way that one of the ongoing jokes is that the captain cannot, Captain Freeman cannot pronounce Boimler's name correctly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Nobody here has pronounced his name correctly either. Is it, is it a Boimler? No, it's B-O-I-M-L-E-R, Boimler. Boimler. Yeah, Boimler. Which I think Boimler. is hysterical because, of course, Freeman calls him Bumford right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah, Bumford, right? humorous. Um, right. And of oh, course, not even close. Yeah, it's not even close. But but uh, 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 Mariner calls him Boims. Right. And actually, Boims, yeah, yeah. what's even cooler is Tani Newsom when she when she's tweeting, she'll tweet at Boims, and she'll keep talking to him, Jack Quaid. She'll keep messaging Jack Quaid uh, or you know tapping him on 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 Twitter with the word Boims. So that's funny. Uh, clearly. She's going to keep that nickname for him, but you know that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's like a back, background thing. So. I feel like we haven't still seen much of Tendi. Tendi is the least fleshed out character at this point. But she held a yes. heart. She <laughs> did, but like, what's her life like? Right. What right. are her goals? She's on a starship and she's very enthusiastic. But what's next for her? I She's section thirty-one. She's going to betray them all. I, I, I actually agree with. I don't remember whether it was David or Aaron said this, but but somebody was saying that that I want to see more about the Orion homeworld too. I mean, I I, yeah. wanted, oh, it was David. I just want I just want more Orion background because I mean, we had the original series, we saw a couple of Orions, with Enterprise, we saw a couple of Orions. Nothing in TNG, nothing in TOS, and then in Deep Space Nine, we had this giant subplot about the Orion Syndicate. And we saw a total of zero Orions. Right. Well, but in the in the um, the anime series, there were some Orions, and they were and there they were yeah. treated just like they were just you know <laughs> just typical bad guys. <laughs> typical yeah. bad guys. But I mean, Brent says, got- "Are we just going to ignore the weightlifting holodeck scene?" <laughs> no, no, actually, I actually thought that was. Oh awesome. no, we talked about that. One. That was awesome. No, it was funny. That was that was. Oh, it's very detailed. 
Yeah, it's very detailed. What very I liked detailed. was the you might want to stand back. <laughs> uh, we may not be getting direct penis jokes, but at least we're getting indirect penis jokes. And that makes it funnier. <laughs> um, I like them when they're yeah, um, so yeah, so uh, the so we we got the obviously the first episode kind of like introduction of all the characters, and then uh, what would you say the second episode is more of like it's just, it's just more like an, an away mission gone wrong. Yeah, but it's more of like a dynamics between uh, uh, Boimler and uh, Mariner. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's just seeing how they bounce off each other and how she kind of like gives him like uh, you know gives him a break with that uh, Fringy at the very end. Yeah. You know, uh, to give him like a, give him a, a victory kind of yeah. thing. Give him one. So he stays yeah. because she wants him to stay, but like, what are her intentions with him staying? She says, I don't I'm know. Her mentor and everything. Yeah. But is it really just so that, it's you know, great. is he a shield? Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. I, I am curious about that because uh, it's just a weird, it's a weird dynamic because in the first episode, she's like, I hate Starfleet, but I'm here. And I have to be. And, and you guys suck for wanting to be command. And then in this episode, she's still giving up that vibe. But as soon as he says, I'm out, she's like, no, no, you can't do that. So I, I, uh, I'm interested to see what her end game is because uh, I'm hoping she becomes a more human character because right now she's almost too cartoony for me. Yeah, Shax mm. is the one that's way too cartoony for me. Um, but she's... I, the, the She's larger than life in a way. Officer. The Bajoran security Oh, he's officer. funny. No. He's, no, he's funny. Like, Come on. He's just stupid. It's like, he's just it's a big like, muscle head. Well, yeah, but it's like, what should we do? We should blow ourselves up. What? <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Right? And, and I mean, <laughs> apparently, that's like, I mean, I, I mean, just seeing clips from other episodes, but he also does the, you know, oh, it's an unknown life form. I've targeted phasers and photon torpedoes. You know, can I? That's a total warf. That's a total warf play. It's a warf thing. Yeah, but he's a a caricature of warf. Yeah, um, my actually, my, uh, yeah, my favorite sub, uh, uh, like non character, not non main character is the doctor. Yeah, the doctor's great. Acacian. Is that a is that a a boy or a girl? I can't even tell. It's a girl. It's a girl. Is it? I thought it was. Anna. Yeah. She yeah she's, she's not nearly as sexy as the TAS cat. Yeah, not as good as Morass. That's true. Yeah, yeah, Morass was way hotter. But I think I feel like Tiana is much older too. I also feel like she's got like Alley Cat part of her is Alley Cat because she's like, <laughs> no. so she's, she's like, like Alley Cat mixed with bones. What was right? he doing? <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. I, oh, uh, I mean, we obviously we got uh, the cat creatures in the in the uh, animated series in the beginning, but then we saw them peppered in through the movies. So we I mean, got them in cat lady that died as soon as she touched water. Yeah, in um, it probably was electric. Yeah, Star Trek Five, but they're also in uh, the the council hall in Star Trek uh, oh, Four. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So or so three, we, I can't we remember. Clearly, four, it was four, and and it was at the end whenever they were clearing them up their name and. And everybody but Kirk, which got demoted. Um, yeah, but uh, no, I mean, Cations have been part of of Star Trek for for a while, but that was the first time that we've sort of nodded towards. But you couldn't tell whether that was a Cation or a Zinti, right? And so, because the Zinti also looked cat-like, uh-huh. um, so it, it's spelled with a K. So it's K Z I N T I. 
This is the K is silent. Um, but uh, she's looking it up. Uh, was it Larry? Who wrote the books? Larry Niven? Larry Niven, yeah. And there was a dispute. There was a dispute in the late 70s about that. And Niven and Roddenberry had a huge falling out over it. And so that's part of the reason, the primary reason, that the animated series was decanonized was because of that dispute. Which is why when Riker mentions having a fight with the Zinti in Picard, it instantly canonized all of the animated series. Yeah. Because yeah. that's a that's a slaver weapon, right? That yeah, was a slaver episode. weapon. You got it. We we you and I talked about it for like three hours. Yeah, we did. Podcast. Yes, yes, that was a very long one. It was a very long podcast. But I mean, you know that. But the fact that we have a main character that's a Zinti, not just Morass, um, who was a main character as a Zinti, or as a or as a, a, a Cation. Now we've got Cations going on. This is canonizing Cations, and I think that's great. Um, I always imagine Zinti as like the the muscular, rough and tough versions of Cations. Yeah. Like the Klingon versions of Cations. That's right. kind of what I'm seeing, yeah. Yeah. And like that's, the I think that's the way that Starfleet Battles has put them out, was mm-hmm. the Zinti were the actual war-running race and the Cations just part of the Federation. And it's like a thing. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I like I like her a lot. I like I think she's cool. Um, yeah. But I'm having a problem with Shax. I, I don't mind... The only thing I didn't mind about him was at least... Even Worf would say, I'm ready to fire photons. Don't fire photons yet, Worf, and he'd just be quiet. He didn't go, oh, come on. <laughs> but that's the joke of it. you know. I, mean, I know it is. Um, so let's Worf talk about... wanted to say, oh, come on, if you saw his face. Well, let's it's... talk about the actual second episode, Envoy, that just came out. Um, you know, obviously, uh, they get selected to uh, 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 bring the Klingon a delegate, a general, I don't know really what his position was down to a, a planet. They were just supposed to transport him. He, he was, uh, he was going to be doing peace negotiations. So I guess he was a diplomat. Yep. Yeah. But he's as all, ever. as all Klingons, they're just a complete, you know, ch- yeah. a child, you know, they just do whatever the hell they want and they act like complete, insa- complete insanity without any, you know, uh, responsibility whatsoever. So Mariner and uh, the Klingon just go nuts, you know, because they know each other from before. So, which goes to see, we're part of some gray ops. So, gray ops means something kind of shady, but not like totally, you know, secret. Yeah. So, but it does imply. And they're blood tied to each other. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. But I, I agree. This, like, wow. this implies that she had more rank than we think if she was doing. In fact, Boimler says that. Boimler says so I would, the that's same what I was saying earlier. I'm like, maybe choose the commander. Yeah. So yeah, she's either lieutenant commander, commander, something like that. I mean, and she got bumped back down the ensign. She got or busted she's, all or the way she's, back down. Or she's lying. Lying. Maybe she lied about it. I doubt that they would go that in depth, but I could see her just saying, "Oh, we dealt with gray ops because that would shut them up." Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they they thought that deep into it though. She probably they're. They're going to be a lot more transparent, I think, with her background like that. Yeah. yeah. And I like then, how he does comment how power walking is how Section 31 gets around. Yeah. That That's was cool. the only part that really made me mad this episode because Discovery Season 2, everyone knows about Section 31. Deep Space Nine, no one has a clue. And then there's still like an ensign who's just a by the books person, no Section 31. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, they're supposed Stop to be. It. 
they're supposed to be a boogeyman story. Nobody's supposed to believe them. Yeah, that that it does really that drives well, us. No one's me and no Dave one's crazy. Even heard of them? Yeah, right, Deep yeah. Space Nine. Like, because because uh, Bashir takes it to Cisco, and Cisco's like, "Yeah, we don't know anything. I've never heard of this. This is made up. This is fake." And unless they publicized it, but it didn't seem like yeah. they did or would have. Maybe they put out a they full page ad. Rat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, someone put a full page ad on the New York Times. Is it um, who mentioned Section 38? 31. 31? Sorry. Uh, yeah, it was Boimler. He says they walk. I'm like, no, don't, don't mention Section 31. Like, don't do it. If, if a character was going to know about that, it would make more sense to me that Mariner would know that. Yeah, Mariner would know. Yeah. That. Mariner, would if, she, if she was in Grey Ops, I could see her knowing, but not Boimler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Boimler's too by the book. He really shouldn't know. He should not know that. I agree. That was my biggest issue, uh, canon-wise, that episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like Rutherford's arc in this episode because yeah. Rutherford is trying to appease a friend and throws himself out there even though he knows he loves engineering. Yeah, sure, I'll change my career for... Everybody's stoked for him. The entire ship of nerds is like, "Yeah, do what you want, dude." Yeah, I like how everyone's so supportive of him changing divisions constantly. I love I I love how Jeff Foxworthy is the is the chief engineer of the the Cerritos. Yeah, he's he doesn't he look just like Jeff Foxworthy? He looks just like Jeff Foxworthy. (laughs) He does. Kind of amazing. Which is another one of those. It's amazing to me who is a Trekkie. I'm always shocked by whenever I find is, out that they're is Trekkies. He, is Jeff Foxworthy a Trekkie? That's why he went for the job. What? Was it actually him? It's not. He's not actually Jeff Foxworthy. Yeah, I thought it was it's, Jeff I Foxworthy. No, I don't no, think so. I, whoever's I, the engineer really is like somebody famous. I just don't, oh, know, I don't him know him very well. well I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll he re-look. looks just I'll like look Jeff Foxworthy, though. Yeah. Um, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is funny that he Rutherford could just change divisions, and everyone's like, "Yeah, that's awesome." But basically, Rutherford, yeah, but Rutherford could. Okay, it's Paul Shear. But I mean, like anybody, uh, like, but he knocks it out of the park. Well, except command, he wasn't very good at command. Was no, he, he wasn't. And the, and it was that hilarious. Was like part of that when they blew all the children out the out the ship, and they were just like, <laughs> "I've done, I've ran this, I've ran this a thousand times. <laughs> this has never happened before. Let's Do get a bigger ship with more children on it." <laughs> it was. I. It's Rutherford's I laughed. like the children. <laughs> all those children. <laughs> I, I laughed I, I so the, hard at that part. I love how the Janeway maneuver kills all the children because <laughs> it's a it's that's got to be a that's got to be a poke at uh, Voyager for doing a terrible job doing the uh, seventy five years home thing. They yeah. should have become a generation ship and had all these children. They never did. That's Janeway maneuver. Yeah, just lose all the children. <laughs> block block using the <laughs> kindergarten quick. Block the asteroid with the kindergarten. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the pre-K kids all going flying out. Oh my god! <laughs> I was already crazy. He's such a chaotic dude. He comes on the first episode and he's got that little thing. And they're like, "Should you get that looked at?" And he's like, "Nah." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That guy is chaos. Well, that's well, that's. I mean, off in in, uh, in Piranha's three D. So you know, he's he's got to be have something going for him. So you did you did you you do know that he's married to Rebecca Romjan, right? Yeah. Yes. 
So I, I told there's you that last two week. number ones. Oh, I, I wasn't on the last. I didn't listen to the last show. So uh, ah, two number ones on this you. show. Um, yeah, and they're they're both they're both married. This is the first time we've had a married couple working <laughs> on two different Star Trek shows. Star Trek shows, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And of course, their bestie is Jonathan Frakes. So right. they they hang out all the time and then argue over who's the number one number one. That's great. Oh my god. I mean Rebecca Romaine would be because she was the first for number one. You'd think. But who had the role first? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, uh Michelle Barrett. That's true. Hey uh, David She's and Eric, have either of you played have either of you played Starfleet Battles? Yeah, back years ago I did. I in fact I, I talked to Guy about it, but it's been <laughs> since the eighties. <laughs> right, right. It's really I remember on the uh the little ship card that you took damage, some of the boxes were just called auxiliary boxes. They weren't even engines or anything, they were just boxes to get hit. And uh I could see making up something like, Oh, that was the kindergarten. Oh right. I know, right, I know. Well but well, back then the boxes that break warped back. Back with the TOS ships, I mean, like, you never really thought about kids being on the ship. So right. it wasn't until next gen they started throwing kids on things and families. So A blade of armor. <laughs> a blade of armor. That's what kids are. <laughs> send, them to the, send them to the edge of the ship. <laughs> right? Apparently, that's where the kindergarten is, is on the back end of the saucer. I mean, yeah, right by like, the engineering. Right. Doesn't make sense. Our children. Put them by the dilithium crystals. Put them by the radiation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We'll, we'll uh, make yes. them have superpowers one day. Yeah, that's what we're hoping for. So the Rutherford arc was great. Uh, and then, yeah, and but it's just like he just, he, he was, he's an engineer through and through. That's what he, he is. I wonder if we're going to see more of that implant as well, because we did a little bit in the first episode where yeah. she adjusts it so he can feel human emotions and promptly freaks out. And in this one where he's using it as a combat trigger, but like it just kind of seems to be a one joke kind of a thing per episode. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I feel like he might come in handy later. Yeah, probably. Um, Spe- speaking of one jokes, have you, has anybody noticed that, the the my bones is going to be the one joke through the show. Every some character has my said bones. my bones. In oh, he said episodes. it. He said it with the giant spider, right? And then and then mm-hmm. the shapeshifter says it in the second Wait, episode. Oh, that's right. He says my <laughs> bones. So I this is my prediction. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, this yeah, is I my pick prediction. Up on that. The last episode is going to be like the funeral of Dr. McCoy. And somebody's going to go, my bones. That's my <laughs> prediction. And if they don't, I'm going to be so disappointed. <laughs> That's funny. If you guys are listening, or at least you're, for dis- going in there you're setting yourself up for disappointment, guy. I know. <laughs> if you're listening, writers, go in there and reanimate that scene right now. <laughs> yes. Rework it. Rework it. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, the other part I liked too um, was the whole uh, Andorian section yes. of the planet. Like, don't look up, keep your eyes down. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, don't mess with these guys. It's like, don't lecture me on the Andorians. They're the founding member of the Federation. <laughs> what I loved about that one was they were Enterprise Andorians, but Boimler's right. They were a founding member of the Federation, and during like toss and everything else they're like these docile people but 
during Enterprise. <laughs> like they were like such a disaster area. And it and so yeah. it's very funny that Boimler has the Star Trek toss view of of the Andorians and uh, Mariner has the Enterprise view of the Andorians. And when they go in the bar, they got those little ice um yeah. uh, knife things. Yep. That which was I was like, oh, see that's another that's a deep cut that unless you watch Enterprise and you watch those yeah. episodes, you wouldn't get those weapons, what those weapons were. Right. You know? And so it, so just many another deep, deep cuts. Cut. Like, I mean, so obviously Mariner's little speech at the end of episode one was just one right after another, after another deep cut. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, like Dar- Gary Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary Mitchell out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, and she was like, I'll be your Charich. And I'm like, okay, nobody <laughs> knows that one unless they've seen the episode where Worf gets like disowned. You know, it's yeah. like, right, you right. Know, it's heart of that's that's heart of the warrior, right? No, it's redemption one and two. So that's redemption. Yeah, two. redemption one and two. So you have to, I mean, you have to have seen redemption one and two to even understand what a chadich is. You know, so there's a deep yeah. cut. Um, and then she's like, um, you know, did you do you know about Spock? He came back from the dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, but she even mentions like when he came back from the dead. Like I've never seen Star Trek break the fourth wall before, I know. and it was just done. So easily, and it was just beautiful. I, it was great. I'm glad she acknowledged that because in in Voyager, it seemed like Tuvok didn't even realize that was a thing, right? Because he didn't believe in the Katra, and I'm like, what? Like in the lifetime, Spock came back from the dead because of his Katra. How do you not believe in the Katra? Right. Well, Genesis well, is off limits. Yep. <laughs> but I mean, it's gonna be documented that more. they like put him. And of course, you mentioned Gary Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, Gary Mitchell, who became completely, you know, psionic and crazy. So, uh, oh, man, that those was... awful silver contacts that cut your eyes up. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was pretty brutal for both of them. I felt bad for both of those guys. But, I mean, little things like the, the stupid dune buggy from Nemesis. That was yes, like, that came up. Yeah, the Argo. Yeah, the Argo from Nemesis. They've got like 60 of them on the ground there. And they're yeah. <laughs> all over the place. That's awesome. Well, how else do you transport your hose? Yeah, right. exactly. Oh, man. You got to ride in style. You got to ride in style. Oh, man. And then, of course, the, the floating orb. I love the floating orb in episode uh, Yeah, two. I thought it was – I was wondering who was – was it going to impregnate Tendi? Oh, no. Right, exactly. It was either impregnating or it was going to cause everybody to fight each other. Fight each other from uh, Day of the Dove, right? Right. right. Yeah, I yeah. mean, so it's like the child Day of the Dove. Who are we? I mean, it's like you could just name the episodes that it's just calling to right there. That was right. beautiful. I feel like how easily it was dealt with because that could have been the whole episode, and it's just gone. Right. So quickly, she like, Wait. It into the canister, and then they never talk about it again, and you're like. This is my life now. They need um, to bring up the tricorder again. I was really hoping they would have brought up the tricorder again. Oh, but I did. I I brought it up again. I've got a friend who does props, and he does a beautiful job on these props. And so he just posted on uh, Instagram. uh, He's been working on tricorders 
And he's even got a red tricorder right now, and I don't know where the red tricorder is specifically referencing, but it's somewhere because he's he's a hardcore Trekkie, and he's got. So I posted in there, and I'm like, I want the cool new tricorder with a purple stripe. <laughs> Bam! And I don't know if whether he got it, and I don't know if he's seen this episode. He probably, yeah, maybe you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah. But I've told him that now, and now that's what I want. I want the new tricorder. I with want the purple, purple stripey stripe. one. I do too. I gotta admit, that's pretty cool. But you have to give me the crystal. The power crystal has to go with it. I know. <laughs> you you made it without batteries, and he turns himself with this little pee, and it just dies on another cat. I like how he poops it out. He's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's oh. uh, I, A big oh. opportunity on this episode was like, uh, as we had a Klingon on, we didn't get a the double dick uh, uh, comment <laughs> or joke or something because I mean, come on, like if you're gonna do a comedy series, you gotta in the Klingons, like that's. We've been making fun of that since he's mentioned it on Discovery. They did I make mean, a joke about it, though. Uh, kind of, no, but not No, 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 really. it was very backhanded. But it was, I've got to tell you about all my sexual conquests. And she goes, both of them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was well, like, uh, a quick joke. Yeah, yeah. but... Bam! Uh, I don't know. It was, it was uh, I don't know. Uh, it could have been taken multiple ways. I mean, I mean, I, I, I thought it could have been that, but it also could have been like, what you got two, uh, two girls. I mean, yeah, of course. Uh, that's, so that I mean, they, they, that's so that it's not a direct one. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah I was, I, mean, I was wanting a little bit harder a joke. Do yeah, that the romantic was a conquest or what? All two of them, both hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a joke. joke as well. I mean, it's it's so yeah. multi layered. It could be honestly yeah. anything. It could be. It could be anything. That's why I was like, it wasn't hard enough as a reference. It wasn't I mean, it, direct. It, it was a light. It was a light reference. Was that? So yeah. Yeah. So we moved Poor to ending this episode. Just like left in the wind. All you see is that she wants to see the star, and um, what's his name? I already forgot his name. Rutherford is trying to make sure that he can because clearly they have a cute little. We like sciencey things connection, which is yeah. further developed when he's in med bay with her. But other than that, we really don't get a lot of her this episode. Hopefully, no. next week we'll get some more Tendi. Yeah, Tindy she needs awesome. to come into the fight because we had a Rutherford arc this week, so Tendi needs some some love. Yeah, she's yeah. a lot of love. She's like the one character that we need like a main episode for, probably. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I like agree. that too. I agree. Yeah, so, and there were a lot of, uh, let's talk about some of the other interesting, I mean, we had lots of gawk jokes, which totally makes sense. Um, you gotta have them. Yeah. You gotta have them. We're making Klingon statements, so we've gotta make gawk jokes. That's just the way it goes. Oh, and they did They did a Klingon poop joke, Aaron, and I have loved doing Yeah, they did. They say he, he pooped on his sword. He pooped on his sword, yeah. 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 Uh, That's so not good for Yeah, I think, um, it's so, like, Obviously, like they've now established the characters, like, um, and do you think like we'll get more interaction with the, uh, you know, the chief staff, or do you think they'll just still just be kind of like an annoying, like the thorn in their sides? Probably just be cameos. I would. I, I would think they because they're, 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 they're so not fleshed out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're very one dimensional. Like I said, Shaxx Shaxx bothers me because he seems like he's just Worf on steroids. Um, without any depth, because Worf at least got more than just "let's kill them all, hunt them down and kill them." Which Worf was a main character. Yeah, Worf was a main character, but 
You know, the captain just seems to be mad at Mariner. Um, and that's about it. And well, I mean, and maybe we'll see more of her dad or more of her friends. Because for Mariner, it's her friends that make her important, right? All of her connections are what make her this big person in the world. So what happens if she loses all those, you know, connections? And we have kind of a, a, a callback to, like, Firefly, a memories episode, where she's just kind of going through who is she as a person. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got a feeling that we're going to get the, the, the parents in visiting her and, or, or not visiting her, but something going to happen where what she, where she's from and all that stuff is going to come into sharp focus, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it'll be probably the last couple episodes, you know, and I think it's going to be like a bombshell kind of thing. So that's why I'm more interested in her, you know, cause she's, she's such a loose cannon because of, probably what's happened you know like she's kind of like i don't give a fuck kind of thing so she's a space princess yeah a little bit Mm -hmm. very much so so is it she's gonna finally be sent home or what's going on because she knows a lot clearly she knows a lot and that might come back to burn her at some point too yeah i mean that might be the cliffhanger of the season they 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 kick her out of starfleet Mm -hmm. i think they're gonna promote her because that'll make her mad I mean, well, if they promote her, be... then she's not Lower Decks. Right. Yeah. That's, I think that's the whole point, right? That, that somewhere along the line, Mom's going to realize that that the Lower Decks guys are enabling her and yeah. and keeping her in the, you know, allowing her to be a complete dork. And so she's going to promote her because she's going to turn around and, you know, all this stuff. She started out by saying, you know, we'll throw her in the brig. And, and the yeah. dad was like, that didn't work. She loved the brig. Right, right. Right. So totally, well, they're going to promote her, and that's going to burn her bridge with Boimler if they do that. He's going to feel real burned if they're both up for promotion, and they might have to fight for it. And a good point. Promoting her kid anyway, he's going to feel burned, and then yeah. it's going to be who's on what side. Do you think this this series is going to go past the uh, first uh, season, or do you think it's been renewed for second? They oh, they already announced they are, two yeah. seasons okay. for it. I didn't know that. Well, it, 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 it was it, a. To be fair, Laura Dex is easier to make in a pandemic. Yes, they can much true. Everybody recording their own houses. I mean, heck, I, we're I, doing it right I here. It didn't go on too long, but I feel like they came in strong with good characters that I'm interested to see get in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, I don't I like, want to see, like, I like all the characters. I want to see like four solid seasons and be done. Yeah, I don't. I be, don't think it could go much longer than four. Mm-hmm. Interesting thing will be is seeing if they go over that line that guy and I refer to as the chicken episode, which is uh, from Mash, which is when you have a comedy come up and have an episode that's just heart wrenching and goes into serious drama, and it hits you even harder because you've been going along with it as a comedy. Um, and without giving any spoilers away to the MASH episode, it's called a chicken episode for a reason. And then uh, Scrubs is another good example of this. They had an episode called My Screw-Up with Brandon, Brandon Frazier. Uh, so anybody who's seen that knows, wow, that, that episode tore my heart out. So it'll cool. be interesting to see if they have a serious heart-wrenching drama happen in one of the episodes to really make these characters far more in-depth. Right. Yeah, Troy, uh, in Next Gen, there was an episode called Lower Decks, which was a heart-wrenching episode, so it would be nice if the animated show paid homage to that show and did a heart-wrenching episode, because I was really 
when they first announced Lower Deck, I was really not happy with them calling it Lower Deck because I have such respect for that episode. And this is going to be animated comedy. And I'm like, that they're going to just shit all over that amazing, beautiful, heart-wrenching episode by doing a weird kitty cartoon thing. And it's blowing me away so far. I'm really enjoying the show. But it would be great if they actually did a heart-wrenching episode to pay homage to the namesake of this episode. It was like I was telling you, guy, that um, uh, the last episode of that Midnight Gospel, yes, is is just oh my god, it's so oh, it's it's heart wrenching. It tears your heart out. I think that's what really makes comedy shows, though, because there are comedies who go into that. All right, we've had fun time, but we need to discuss this big thing that's been in, at the edge of your vision, even if you didn't see it. And now here it's a big problem. And Time to give you a gut punch. And it, it makes it stick out so much more than just a regular drama where it's like, everything is bad and it's getting worse and it's not going to get better. That's tough to watch. But when you're watching a comedy and you get that punch, it is a lesson and it sticks in your brain mm-hmm. forever. Because yeah. you just remember that one poignant thing. And I love those lessons because you remember them so well, because you love these characters so much. And you're used to them being these funny, upbeat per- people. And you forget that they're people. There's still this undercurrent of their own feelings, yeah. you know, especially for Mariner in particular. You know, she's a wild child, but she probably has a lot of angst versus Starfleet. Versus her parents versus what she's expected to do. And that's probably going to be our big gut punch of the season. Well, in this episode, she's laughing at a Admiral falls off a stage or something like that, you know? So, so she's just taking little pleasures in other people's pain because she hates Starfleet that much. That's Schadenfreude, man. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel I've, as I kind of said this to David too, over (laughs) text today, I feel like Mariner is very much Hawkeye, you know? Hawkeye, <laughs> Hawkeye would never wear a uniform. He would never, you know what I mean. He yeah, was every but da- he guy, guy. You got a preference that this is Mash you're talking about, not the Avengers, right? Oh, right. Sorry, yeah. Hawkeye Pierce from Mash. Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, wear, wears Hawaiian shirts, won't wear right. a uniform to save his life, but does the job. He's right. not going to not save a life, and he's good at it. And too. he's good. So at good. It. And there are so many gut-wrenching points where, like, he loses somebody or, like, losing his best friend. His best friend gets to go home and gets shot down. And that is... Spoiler alert. Sorry. It's just... It's the worst thing ever when you're trying to do homework and watching a comedy. And then all of a sudden, your favorite person dies. Yeah. And it goes... Because you forget that comedians are that, that coin of light and dark, right? They are so light. But so dark. There's a dark, dark side to all comedians because they know that that that's what they're that's what they're squeezing out. They they find the humor in things, but there's a dark side they go through to get that humor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if uh, I wonder if Q is going to be in this season. Oh God! Q and Mariner together. Oh God. As much that as would be I amazing. absolutely love Q and I love John Delancey and I don't want to just, I really feel like that's, I, 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 everything that Lower Decks has done so far has been all of, all of the like 
here are the things that you see in the background and everything like that has been part of the universe. We've talked about yeah. batliths. We've talked about yeah, even the Argo. Uh, we've talked about you know things like that. That's just part of the universe, but it's a nice callback that somebody's paying close attention to. So far, nobody has said that you know everybody everybody has picked on the Enterprise. Oh, and this random ship out in the middle of nowhere, which is where Q will show up. So I don't know if I feel like that wouldn't fit. So make it make it not Q that we know, but another of his race, a de- right, a like a, le- a lesser Q, a lowercase Q, a lowercase Q, <laughs> or Q's son could come mess with him, and yep. then actual the Q proper could show up. I mean, if you're doing it wrong, Tremaine. Sorry, yeah, Tremaine. <laughs> I mean, they they have mentioned that they are going to have uh, le- legacy characters come. Uh, so that would be great. And one thing I mentioned last week that uh, you guys didn't get to hear, but I think it'd be great seeing Mariner have to do with Packlet. Yes. Oh, my God. That'd be hilarious. Because <laughs> they're so slow and dense, and she's so fast and spazzy. I think that would be a great, like, team-up episode where she has to deal with, like, the dumbest people in the world. It'd that, be great. So that's another thing that I thought was fascinating. Um, it seems like all the classic Star Trek plots make cameos in these shows like the plot is about you know rutherford trying to figure out what division he belongs in and oh here's a star trek plot and it's resolved and rutherford still you know what i mean it's like they're really doing character directed stories that have these sort of side stories about uh about star trek plots like the little shining ball thing you know yeah, the shining ball thing was it? That was entire plot of like two episodes we could pull up from Star Trek, and Mariner had it dealt with in like less time than she can make a speech about the lieutenant that she wants to hit on. I mean, you before, know what I mean? Before the stinger, <laughs> right? It was gone before even the opening credits. Right. You know, with saying that, I think you could easily make an episode where she's sent on a diplomatic mission, and it just continues to go wrong because she's too high speed (laughs) it'd be really easy to do that and the others have to save her somehow yeah 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 yeah, for sure yeah because so far she really has had everything under control so i think that our big shift is going to be fingers and everything the moment she loses control of that stuff that's where we're going to have a real twist for that character to be fair, like she hasn't really been in a situation so far in the last two episodes that are out of her control. I mean, the zombie thing is probably the worst, but she was in a she was in a group with that with the command uh, as well. So everything has been pretty like mediocre, you know, just problems so far. Yeah. So I mean, and, and that's the thing is she's navigating the underbelly of a military organization very well. Right. I mean, this, she, she is the catch 22 character. I mean, she's totally right right out of, out of Joseph Heller's book. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And that, and she can easily do it because she knows all this This is all like, this is old, old hat for her. So she doesn't have to like, you know, break a you know, brain cell worrying about things or f- trying to figure things out. Cause she's done this before, or she's seen it done before. So. Right. Well, she was Boimler like five years ago. Right. Exactly. And now she's yeah. jaded and miserable, probably because her parents have screwed up her career either by promoting or she, her or she or, made it. 
Yeah. Yeah, or or because they oh, well I'm not going to promote you, Mariner. Your mom is, you know, is is Captain Freeman and I don't want to look like nepotism. She's my friend. So you're just going to have to stay at lieutenant for another 3 years and not go up a grade even though you deserve it. Yada yada yada. So Right. I feel right. like you maybe she should have been a writer. Right. So here's a question. Considering how competent she is, she makes two mistakes in the second episode. The question is, did she make those mistakes on purpose as an overla- um, overlapping plan to eventually lead to the Ferengi? Um, the mistakes being she trusted a drunken Klingon who has stolen ships twice to not steal a ship a third time. And she's acknowledged, oh, he does this all the time. She should have known he was going to do it a third time. Sure. Her, her backup plan was, oh, no problem. Yeah. Her backup plan, well, she had a backup plan. Oh, we'll teleport back and we'll tell it to come back on autopilot. But she did not know or she pretended to not know that that wasn't an option because of the shielding of the planet. It does show that she is short-sighted sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Either that or she had planned the whole adventure. I think she planned with it. With the drunken Klingon because she knows she's able to find out exactly where he is so conveniently. Maybe she was just trying to get Boimler first of all, to do something outside of his comfort zone and actually do something for once himself and then watch him when everything goes crazy, what does he actually do? And that's why she feels bad when he's like, I'm, I, I'm done. When we get back, I'm, I'm done. I don't know anything. And so she has to then make that third plan to redeem him real quick. I agree. Yeah. I think right. That's a possibility too. She or was trying she's... to get him some real world oh, experience. Ahead. She was trying to get him real-world experience because uh, she, he's always trying to do things by the book, by the Federation handbook, and she's got all this experience, and she's trying to show him what, what it really takes. So I, I think she um, everything was planned, and she, she knew it. Like, she, I don't think she made any mistakes. She was very good at um, not admitting any mistakes, too, so it's hard to know when it was a mistake and when it wasn't. Right. Um, so she, she always comes across as the, oh, that was part of my plan, or, oh, that's no big deal, I'll fix it. I'll fix so, it in post. Yeah, just like us. Right. So, but she's definitely the alpha. Yeah. Well, like, what does she do in Lower Decks? Because technically she's under Boimler, correct? They're no. both ensigns, so they're both ensigns. Same level. Okay, he's just the the training liaison um, right. for Tendi. Yeah. Right, right. Well, okay. and I, anytime military, military-wise, um, when you're busted back down, you lose your time and grade sometimes. So she would normally have time and grade on him, but she can't have time and grade on him because she was busted back down. So so technically he would be above her. Yeah. Hmm. Good point. So, nice. But that's one um, of those things. If you're both the same rank, the next thing you fall on is who's been in the service longer. And then that right. person's in charge. And that's called time and grade. And it, it's the, you know, you and I are both ensigns, but I've been in the army for five years and you've been in the army for four and a half years. So I, I've got time and grade. So I'm in charge on this mission. So that's how. And, then, and at what point does Boimler like read her like, you know, bio like it, sooner or later? Like it seems like he just hasn't even taken the time to read what her her. her uh, I'm sure if her, you're her an roster. ensign. You can't just bring up. Oh, I'm going to look up Aaron's bio here. Mm, look at oh. but any alien race. Or you, James Zober can look it up. 
But you could look, but you could look up their like you know their service duty and stuff like that. What they what ship they were on before and all that stuff. So they I mean, Alexis to con. Yeah, but I mean, but so. I mean, you know, of course, who knows? I mean, she's got an admiral for a dad. Her her yeah. she could have had a purged record for all we know. Yeah, good point. Good point. They've maybe like Boimler would actually dig. He's one of those people because he likes to be in control and he likes to know who he's working with. Right. You know, because he likes to be the big man in the room. He likes to seem smart. So maybe, I mean, maybe he has looked it up. We don't really know what their relationship is in particular because it's a weird relationship. Uh, like, he did it say, I didn't like know that. Each other for a while because she pops in on him, like, are you doing personal logs? Oh my God. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like she's known him for a while. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe they just met the week before and she's a drunk, crazy woman who's just like, <laughs> I'll shade on you no matter what. Maybe a little bit of both. Maybe both. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he when she said, look, I, this is because I was here on first contact because I was here with a different ship. He was like, well, <laughs> I didn't know that. You know, so there is a moment right. where he says he, he so maybe he just maybe he's got a rule that he won't. It's kind of like, you know, I, I, if I were to go over to your house, Chelsea, I wouldn't go rummaging through all of your personal belongings. You know, maybe he's got a rule that you don't rummage through other people's, you know, personal logs or whatever. I don't know. It does, it does bring up the question, too, of the, what is the um, security measures for that? What, what personal logs can any particular character look up without rank? Right. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I don't think that's ever been established. That has not. Not that I know of. Do you like the joke that the captain makes where she asks him how many personal logs he does a day? And he goes, <laughs> maybe three. And she goes, it's actually five. And five is way too many a day. It's like, that's excessive. But yet he's standing in her office while she's doing a captain's log. Yeah. Right, and then right. she, I'm so sorry about that. It's uh, It's so interesting. It That's might great. be interesting to find out that Boimler's parents may might also be captains somewhere and he's trying to live up to them. Or maybe his parents are dead captains that he's trying to live up to and just can't get there because he didn't have the guidance. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was thinking we were talking about this before and I, it popped in my head that she has she's obviously legacy uh, Starfleet. So she's got, you know, not just her experience, but her parents' experience that infused into her, you know, through, through her whole life where Boimler probably just coming in, you know, just his first couple of years. Yeah. Just, is it just gone to Academy couples, you know, service course, you know? So, uh, you know, like he's probably never had that before. So Mm -hmm. it's, um, he seems lost. Like, oh, he doesn't have a good role model in his life that can guide him really well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's just one of those things. I, um, I, I you know, because we were talking about it before, and I was just reminded there's, I, there's a, um, a story about uh, Julius Caesar, like, uh, reading uh, the conquest of um, uh, Alexander the Great. And just weeping that he could never be as great as Alexander the Great. But Alexander the Great had like a whole different lifestyle. Like he was literally primed to do what he needed to do, mm-hmm. you know, like to, as, as a ruler, as a conqueror. 
Julius Caesar came up from nothing. I mean, he had rich parents, but like he he didn't have the connections that uh, that you know Alexander the Great had. So Alexander the Great had a like a, a huge leg up on him on on Julius Caesar just the first twenty years of his life. Um, and it's how people hold themselves to different standards, and they beat themselves up on things that they're just out of their control. Mm-hmm. You know, like they'll never. You, you, there's certain things you just can't. You know, like Mariner has like. 20 some years of growing up in a Starfleet family, you know? And yet she also seems like she has a lot of firsthand experience, not just like the stories of her parents' legacies, but like running off with Klingons and knowing how each race interacts and knowing how to deal with people when you don't know the language. She's it's the very street smart versus book smart, but it's also the leg up of experience versus very, very new and, and shiny eyed. And I kind of wonder what their age difference is in a way. Cause you can't really tell. I feel like everybody's like the same age and then commands a little bit older. Cause right. but, so and, it's hard to tell. And, and Mariner could be sort of like a Wesley crusher on a ship, you know, maybe she was oh, yeah. you know, groomed to be an officer. Could you imagine yeah. that too? Like yeah. that kind of, and especially with her parents being a little more ambitious Wesley's mom is all the way far away and he's on the bridge. He deals with her sometimes, but like not all the time. And he's treated very much as an adult. Yeah. But Wesley burned out sooner or later too. He just, he quit Starfleet. So hung out with the traveler, went out into wherever, Bill. Weird hand space. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so, uh, do we want to talk anything further? I, I think I think we cover a lot of the bases for uh, the second oh, episode. Yeah. I think we're we're pretty good with that. I don't want to exhaust the subject. Yeah, we could talk about Guy now that he's gone. Oh, cool! And, Let's. Talk. Yeah, he said he said I'll be right back, and he disappeared. He disappeared. So, yeah, probably he's had running pee. away. It he'll has never, been two hours and five minutes. He'll never watch this episode, so we can actually say anything we want about him. Oh, so. nice. Uh, what can we say about him? Oh, man. Oh, he's back. Never mind. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Tune <laughs> next week for more Synthaholics. <laughs> Bye! Wait. <laughs> no, uh, uh, Aaron, you can do the outro now. <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah, yeah, so uh, so guys, uh, tell everybody... Thank you so our- much for... Coming on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell everybody in our audience where they can find you guys. Everywhere. Anything under Rocky Mountain Cake Tank is us or RMGT. Uh, we're on Facebook. That's usually where we do our live broadcast. We go live at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, which is 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we're based out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, you can also find most of our podcasts because we started podcasting first at www.rockymountaingeektank.com. Sweet. And for us, you can find us at synthaholics.com. You can uh, find our Facebook page at Facebook forward slash groups forward slash synthaholics. Uh, you can tweet at us at synthaholic duo. And if this is show is something you want to support, please go to our Patreon, Patreon forward slash synthaholics and donate there. And obviously uh, leaving reviews on uh, Apple podcast or um, just telling your friends about the uh, our, these different podcasts and the content. If this is something you value, please uh, let people know. We appreciate it. Um, ga- guys, this has been a thrill uh, to have 
everybody all together in uh, one tent. It's um, been a long time we, coming. We I we mean, we get guys guy. guys like on regular rotation. So that's actually what started this. Was I was supposed to be on regular rotation. Yes, right, exactly. So, um, so what guys, did you lose for that? Oh, you know, um, <laughs> I can't say here. Okay, um, no, but. Uh, no, but uh, it's great to have you guys. And, you know, I, I you probably don't even know, but I mean, up until maybe a couple months ago, I watched you guys almost regularly when you guys came on on, uh, I think it was Wednesday before, wasn't it? You guys moved it to Thursday. Yeah, I think we were, yeah. Yeah. I think that's when I kind of like faded out for a second because I couldn't find it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but yeah, I enjoy your guys' stuff and you guys are okay. great, so. Well, thanks for having us on your show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having thanks your so live much. stream. We'll talk about more things soon. <laughs> yes, cyberpunk. 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 Cyberpunk would be fun to talk about. Yeah. For oh sure. yes. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, uh, until then, and next week we'll be talking about lower decks, and we'll be uh, talking about obviously our a book review of Dune as well. So you can yeah, tune in for that. Yeah, we'll be Dune to later in the week, and we'll put it as the middle of the week. So we're kind of gonna switch through on you guys. So. That's right. But until then, guys, as always, live long and prosper, one and all. Well, McCoy, my boy, come mix me a drink before the night's over. Shit our pants, you're the best drinking friend I ever had.